Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vertical Fab Four Free-For-All. Welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free-For-All. I am your moderator for today's show, Rob Leonard. And joining me as they always do, because what else are they going to do? Nothing. Nothing. Is, of course, Mitch Axelrod. Hey, folks. And Tony Truguardo. Hello. And today we're going to talk about one of my favorite Ringo Starr albums, Vertical Man. Came out in June of 1998. It took a little while to get to. It took over about a year to get it all together. But overall, it's uh, uh, one of Ringo's best albums. It's a very cohesive album. You're giving it away. I'm giving it away in right, one now. Sentence, in right now. One sentence done. That's it. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank we're you, everybody. Yeah, we're yeah. Five-minute five show. We that's need a, like 10 of them. Yeah, we need 10 of those. <laughs> and now to your viewer calls. <laughs> <laughs> because everyone loves them, too. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Vertical Man was sort of a comeback album for Ringo in the sense that he hadn't had a record out in over five years which was Time Takes Time, which is also a very strong record. But this record was a little different than that in the sense that Ringo contributed at least some way in all of the songs written as a songwriter, Yeah, uh, where at least the ones they originally did, they did a couple of covers, where Time Takes Time, they did have outside writers come in with songs. But this was a little more closer, I think, to Ringo's heart. I think it's also, if you look at the album... It comes after the anthologies, and it's very pop-oriented. Not that the last one wasn't, but it's... It's very pop-oriented. You know, let's be frank, it's also very beatly. Beatly. Well, and, yeah. and also, for, it's, it's also for Ringo. I mean, there's opera singers in this album, in, in a couple of songs, yeah. well, one song. Hey, yeah. Jeff Lynne had them, he can do it. Yeah, there so there's, there was a lot of things going on with this record. There's pure pop, there's, there's heavy metal, if you want to consider it, for, at least for Ringo. There's some great... Playing with George Harrison here, Paul is on it. It to me is, if you take away the Ringo album, the the best Ringo Starr album he's ever done. Well, first of all, he did he did say in an interview that uh, he always just went into every album with other writers, right? And that this was the first time he had something to say and really did a lot of it, as you said. So that's one reason, you know, he he had. His input, it wasn't like, oh, Ringo's just, will prop him up by a mic and right, make him right. sing, you know. So he had more vested in it. But also, uh, you know, Tony said it's very beatly, and you said it's after the anthologies. And, and we'll bring that up later because I don't know if this album actually was benefited by the anthologies. They tried to, bad choice of words, they didn't try to. It came out a couple of years after, but, you know, Paul instantly had a hit because of the anthology, I think, um, with Flaming, Flaming Pie. Pie. But this one was, I think, too removed from it. wasn't it. close enough to have, quote, cast Well, I think it was. It, it tried to, only because it was supposed to come out on a label, then the label went out of business, oh, and then right. they had to find Mercury, and that takes a couple of months to reestablish that. I mean, I think they were trying to go for 97 as the release date, yep. and then they, they moved it to 98. But here's the point I was getting at. The reason it was Beatley was because of Mark Hudson. Yes. Now, yes. we have to say that Dean Grey Cal actually met up with Ringo and reintroduced him to Mark Hudson, who he knew from before, I think, from well, the well, Shining he worked Time on, Station. Well, he also worked with him on uh, Time Takes Time. Yeah, not a lot, but he no, did but work. No, he did some back He was back a presence, stuff. yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, you know, he said, maybe we should all just team up. And Mark Hudson, I mean, if people, if you haven't heard the Hudson Brothers stuff, 
I mean, it's Beatles Jr. It oh, really definitely. is. Yeah. And he's a big fan. So, I mean, if you haven't, you know, So You Are a Star, it sounds like it could have been a solo record well, from the Beatles. You, yeah. know what I, you know what I think of this also? And you mentioned we're fans of the Hudson Brothers. Sure. This is also Mark Hudson's best solo album, but he's working with Ringo. Um, he's not singing lead vocals on everything, but there's, the backing vocals are so, in many places, Hudson Brothers. Oh, absolutely. Which means Beatley. Yeah. yeah, very and, thick with his. his yeah. Voice layered in multiple times. Absolutely. And harmonies yeah. are his thing. Yeah. So oh, I thought of that yeah. when I was re listening yeah. to the record that this may be, we all go to the fest every year, and he he always comes up on stage and does, you know, nothing against you, Mark, but you do the same songs. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're entering the 20th anniversary of this record as we record this. Maybe it's time to sit down and go through the whole record at the fest. That might hurt a little bit, though. Well, yeah. Because there's, you know, he talks about the Ringo years, but... But this was a specific album. This true. Was, uh, That's true. This set off a whole bunch of things with Ringo where you basically got a Ringo album every two years after the woods yep. from this. This set up Ringo to say, you know what? I'm going to do it no matter what because I want to do a record. It's, I just want to create. Yeah, it's, it's be about a being a, a musician. Yeah. Okay, oh, it yeah. doesn't sell as many, and, and this record sadly didn't. Well, one but thing, it did go to number about it, 61. It did okay, but considering all the press he did for this record. And that was the other thing I was going to bring up, he, a lot of promotion. did so much promotion for this. They did so much to get this out there. There's so many stars on this record. And <laughs> he didn't even mean it. <laughs> and it just didn't go anywhere the way it should have, and unfortunately. If, if, if we could add one thing that's an overarching thing, only because it's going to come up a number of times in my notes for songs, but mm. we should add that I think it is also a really big rediscovery for Ringo with regards to his own musicianship. Yes, yes. Ringo is the sole drummer on this album. Yep. So the idea that you have... Um, only Ringo and no Jim Keltner and right. no, that's unusual. Uh, I don't remember whether or not he was on Time Takes Time or not. I, I think, I think that was all Ringo too. But I think this, so. But this, but, but his drumming's different on this. Yes. His, his, and also the way it was mic'd. Yes. It was, on some of these songs, they sound very revolverish. Yes. Um, you, that, you nailed it. There's just a the lot, way there's a revolverish feeling on the drum work. Yeah, on, on some of it. Not all of it, because not every song ha should have revolver drum mics. Right. On this. Right. What's I, the matter? I'm sighing because you're a drummer. I'm a drummer. I like Ringo. I think Ringo Ringo's the reason I became a drummer. I agree with you on some of what you just said, and I, and I have in my notes. It's actually the second line of my notes. I think the way the drums were recorded mm. were very soft. Yes, absolutely. Listen again. Soft. Yes, they're not present in the song. They're very low in the mix, guys. Without understanding is low in the I mix. I didn't say what everyone. I'm saying in yes. Vertical man. Yes. Well, listen. I'm not <laughs> saying all of them. He was I'm, listening on a different stereo. No, 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 guys. I'm saying that for the most part, there's a lot of soft. Not that he wasn't playing hard. They were recorded in a way that it could have been a little more present in the mix. It just sounds like it's a little muffled in the mix. Ringo's playing is fine. And we'll go through some of the playing. See, I it's interesting you say that because I'm usually very, very high. And I'm not saying you're, you're not correct, but I'm usually so hypercritical of mixing. 
And yet I actually was listening last night and saying, wow, it's so nice that the drums are so out front. That's so weird because I I was the first, that's literally after I wrote Good Pop Album, that's my second thing. By, By the way, Ringo does not drum on Drift Away. Stephen Tyler. Stephen Tyler does. So, yeah, yeah. Because he said to Stephen, good, goes, good well, how am I supposed to say, give me the beat boy if I'm drumming? So we got to <laughs> drum. But you know what? Um, Just to let folks know, Stephen Tyler started out as a drummer. Right. So and that and was, does a very nice job. Yeah. Now, what, uh, the, the album, and please forgive me, everybody, but the album that has instant amnesia, is that Ringo Rama, Choose Love? I don't even know. Maybe Choose yes, Love? Yes, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And by that, that time, they're, you know, not no, that they're you all that good. No, but you want to know something? That is very significant. What you just said, yeah, sure. That's very I significant. I think it's Ringo-Rama. Ringo-Rama, by the way. Okay. Very good. Let me just make my point. Okay. I think see. what you just said, Tony, is very critical in any Ringo album. The reason that, you know, no Ringo album does as well as it should, because some of them deserve a lot. That's the point. You know, you couldn't tell what album it's on. Before we did this show, when we mentioned that we were going to do this show, you also said, I don't even know what's on that album. Everybody knows King of Broken Hearts and la-di-da, but after that, all of Ringo's solo catalog, as good as it was after Time Takes Time, nobody's really sure of, and that's the problem. Ringo, as a recording artist, has a negative connotation when you have an album out. But... To the positive side of that, yeah, because negative's the wrong word. To the uh, positive, you're right. It might be wrong word, but you know what I'm getting at. People seemed to ignore apathy. It's just apathy. apathy. I agree with some people, not not us, not people. No, no, no. Hang on. Well, no, I was gonna say I don't know if it's such the negative in a sense that Ringo, as a recording artist, found a very very comfortable identity. In other words, you know, I was trying to remember the other day whether or not. Gratitude was on Memory Almost Full or New. Oh. Why? Because those records have... The same feel? Again. I those don't are think both, so. I think New is a 10. I think Memory Almost Full is probably a 10 for me. But those records have, in some ways, a vo- like, I couldn't remember whether or not Appreciate was on which one and which was on the other. Right. That's on New. But McCartney records will often have an identity unto themselves you can id something from london town pretty easily you can id something from wings to be a sound you can kind of id those records by their feel the thing about ringo is other than the horrible disco record the poorly mixed 70s record the country record (laughs) and and the standards record once you get to the fact ringo just found i think with a record like this and with time takes time he found a really good strong pop identity so rather and, than and mess with it well hold it the, you the, know the thing about what happened with Ringo is that he found it later when he should have found it much earlier right you know, if he found you it think earlier about it, Ringo didn't put a record out from 1981 to 1992 basically wow. you know, Jesus, but he was also right. in rehab right wow. but, they, but he didn't put out a record at all so it, there became this when giant did, gap where when people, did Old Wave come out I'm sorry, 83, but it was released in three countries. Right. It wasn't released in the United States officially until 1994. It was I released in it. Canada. So did I. Bought it on import <laughs> from West Germany. Yeah. I had the Canadian one. I have it. So, you know, think about Old Wave. There's a record that wasn't even released, unfortunately. So from 83 to 92. Now, Old Wave, you can identify. If you play a song from Old Wave, you can identify it as being from Old Wave. That Maybe. album has Maybe. A, no, I don't know. Because, no, that album is, that is Joe Walsh helping him tremendously. I agree. That is, um, yeah. 
there's a lot of Joe Walsh on that record, and, and sometimes maybe too much Joe Walsh. And I love Joe Walsh, but yeah. that was my only qualm with that. I really feel that Ringo, as a solo artist, set the bar so high for himself in the beginning with It Don't Come Easy and, and the whole Ringo album. I mean, they had three singles off it that just went crazy. And partly because no one expected Ringo to do anything. <laughs> well, that's fine, but here's the problem. When you have the other Beatles on it, because George helped out with It Don't Come Easy and the other three Beatles were really all over Ringo. Right. And even Goodnight Vienna and stuff. Once you lose that Beatle touch, once he lost that Beatle touch, and I'm not taking anything away from Ringo, but the album suffered. And I think because the public always expected him to have that Beatley sound. So when it came back in 92, well, it, via Mark Hudson and other producers. Well, he also did Stop and Smell the Roses, which had Paul on three tracks and George and on And guess three what? Tracks. It did okay. But again, though, that record was a victim of its time. That's an 80s produced record. Yes. So that record, while it has the Beatles involvement, it suffers from the idea that it's Beatles involvement plus throw in 80s mix. Something like Vertical Man is... A blatant attempt, attempt to go back well, I think to the, the 60s production and the but 60s feel. But I think the reason that is, is because Mark Hudson. Oh, definitely. I so think, Mark brought I him think, back to that, and I, that's why the, the public did respond to this album, just not in droves. I mean, it did chart. Most of our Ringo's well, albums don't even chart, chart anymore. I can't think of any like really solid examples. And, you know, it's funny because I, can, I hate saying a blanket statement without thinking of concrete examples, but... Whenever you bring a fan in, a hardcore fan, in to work with an artist, they tend to bring that artist back to their roots. Because that's what or, they want to hear. Because that's what they want to hear. But, but also, so, and, and I don't say that's oh, a bad thing, oh, but I think Mark pulled him to, back to that. I, I think when Jeff Lynn worked with George Harrison, you know, Jeff Lynn's obviously a fan, I think it increased George's... Yes. album that that album would not sound the same for good or bad depending on who you talk to about that uh, I thought it was a good album he, well yeah it was almost like he'd kind of you're right in that instance it was very strange he, well what he did was and I, I heard this for the first time I don't know maybe about six months ago a friend of mine who's a, a big Beatles fan actually said it but he said he made the comment that what Jeff Lynn did with George Harrison on uh, cloud nine was he made George Harrison the leader of ELO uh, See, I don't think which, that. Which I, I don't think I don't so either, think so. but it was kind of like he, he brought George into like his universe in a way. On certain songs on certain are songs. more ELO-ish than yes. other songs, but yeah. at the same time, I've always thought that the whole Jeff Lynn overproduced thing has always been- Overstated. Overstated with Wilburys and George's Oh, albums. totally. I yeah. agree with you. But it is funny because you're, you're right. In that case, it wasn't a case of Jeff bringing- George back to George's roots. It was almost like Jeff brought George back to Jeff's roots, you know, and kind of they made a nice mess. So Jeff Lynn, you know, to George Harrison, to Mark Hudson, to Ringo Starr. To me, I think in in many ways, Mark brought Ringo's Beatleness out. And especially after Anthology, I think he was looking to do it even more. I think in both cases, the people involved like Jeff and Mark told the two ex-Beatles, it's okay to be a Beatle. Right. You right. can do it. Like, uh, like for this album, there's one song that when Paul heard it, Even he actually said, oh, wow, yeah. that's so Beatlish. And Ringo went, oh, and he said, well, you're allowed. You're an effing Beatle. You know, and Paul had just Beatled out 
in Flaming Pie, right, right. very beetly, but Paul's always been somewhat beetly, obviously. But I think they allowed them to draw out their inner beetle for better or for worse. So I thought that was good. I mean, with Jeff Lynn, you know, I think the fact that Ringo went back to, I'm saying back to Beetleroot, because I thought Time Takes Time was great, and it wasn't well, all Mark. It was really Jelly Bean. <laughs> jelly well, fish. he had four producers. Jelly jellyfish, jellyfish, jellyfish. Jellyfish. Jelly Bean. He had you know, Jelly four... Bean Benitez, you're thinking. Who I, did, yeah, McCartney I know, but I'm thinking of Jelly Bean Benitez, my God. But Jellyfish also were big Beatle fans, and their album is very beatle So, you know, it's not a bad thing, but I think the fact that the anthology was out, like we mentioned at the beginning, I think that may have helped a little, but by 1998, the public had forgotten about the anthology. To be honest, to an ex- well, maybe not. I think you know. Again, remember, nineteen ninety six, the Beatles were the biggest selling band of the world. That was part of it. I think and just to bring up Paul, we're just bringing up Paul. If you think of Off the Ground compared to Flaming Pie, Off the Ground was still trying to be part of like the hip type of sound. Flaming Pie, Paul sort of said, "You know what? I'm a Beatle. I'm just doing what I want." And yeah, screw there's, it. There's a big difference right. between Off the Ground and Flaming Pie. There wasn't that big of a difference between Time Takes Time and and Vertical Man, but in the sense that Ringo, I think, embraced being Ringo again. But I think we're on to the idea, too, that it takes a fan. We talk about being too close to something, and it's come up a few times. We were talking about being too close to a project, too close to a group, too close to a... But Paul trying to make himself sound beatly in something like an off-the-ground is very different from Mark Hudson being able to make Ringo sound beatly. And I say that because one thing that comes up in my notes is I bring up the fact that, you know, this album comes out and you've still kind of got, you've almost got a resurgence of the 80s Beatles sounding, you know, you had groups like the Bangles, you had groups that were Beatle influenced that right. sounded more like the Beatles and their production values than Paul does even on... Even Cheap Trick. Even Cheap Trick. And in a and way... And Sweet in the early 90s. Yes. And in a way, like Mark Hudson is kind of pulling from that river to give that to Ringo, as opposed to the way Paul would tend to make something, quote, beatly. That's true. Well, back you in know, the 80s and stuff, up until recently, really, when Paul or David Kahn, maybe Driving Rain, when Paul had other people... W- Producing him, right. you know, Paul did it himself. So he's not going to tell himself, "Well, yeah, that sounds good." You know, "Well, yeah, yeah. that sounds beatly." Paul just did what he did, and that's what happened. But Ringo had other people doing it with him I all always, the time. Really, that's true. I always think we should do a show at some point, which I think would be fun, where you kind of go into this idea of what the hell is beatly really? Yeah. Because when you really think about it, you can cite songs on this album. You can cite songs on some of Paul's records, you can, and you can say, well, that one's kind of beatly. But why? Yeah, because but- it doesn't sound... You can't listen to songs on this record and go, that sounds like a particular Beatles record. Oh, yeah, well, or, you can't say, you know what? Man, beatly. Is beatly, why don't we do it in the road? Or is beatly... I want to hold your hand. Is Beatley She Loves You? Is Beatley Drive My Car? Right. Or is what Beatley, is Beatley? It, it, Right. Because Beatley basically is everything. Is, is it I Will? You know, I mean, no, there's... Beatley is not I Will. Well, okay. But I don't, I don't agree with that. I think I, I will. I should have known better. It's, it's got to have some sort of... Beatley to me is basically like the Hard Day's Night album, where you have okay, all so four members playing together. A, 
there's John strumming on his rhythm guitar, making a strong rhythm to twelve string for George. And George is with the little, little twelve string there. John's rhythm is very important to make the Beatley sound. Can I say what to me is Beatley? We're going totally off tangent, no, but worry, but worry. You, but again, I, I think it relates directly to this record in a okay. way. Beatley is nowhere, man. Yeah, that's a good one. That's the one that, like, when you go to the, the oh, that sounds beatly. Yeah. You're talking about layers of guitars yep. and harmonies yep. and little unexpl- little a lick, and you know. So to me, very often when you get these people going, oh, that's beatly. It's if I needed someone and nowhere, man. The, and See, it's, to me, it's like I should have known better. Yeah, sure, pop, yeah. pure pop. Sure, or you're gonna lose that girl. And they all have great harmonies, and they all have. Yeah, the strumming, and they all have interesting bass lines from Paul, especially on Nowhere Man. Yeah, God, and you've you've jumped to like the idea of utopia to face the music, well, the Ruddles, the Ruddles. I mean, right? Yeah. That's what that stuff was all based on. It's it's some Matthew Sweet stuff, depending you know, not everything, yeah. but a lot of it, some of it. But yeah. So anyway, I I just think it's I think it relates to this record, even okay. though it is quote off topic. Yeah, but it's, yeah I, it's, agree. I agree. I agree. And and I think working with Mark Hudson, Ringo allowed himself to be as you said, brought back. But this quirks on this album that Ringo would never have done before or maybe since, you know, have well, we'll get to the opera well, singers. Well, like I said before, Instant Amnesia. Yeah. That's a really wild yeah. drum track, yeah. really wild. Three you different know, distinct phase, parts. Phasing. Yeah. I mean, that's not on this record, but that's... No, I know, but, but you said maybe after... So not appearing on this record. So, so why don't we take a break and talk about the album? Yeah, well, let's, let's take that. a break. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Hi folks, this is Tony from Fab Four Free For All. As Mitch has mentioned several times, the cast of Fab Four Free For All do not profit in any way doing these shows for all of you. In fact, we actually lose money because of studio time and other production expenses. Now, we have looked into show sponsors, but for a number of reasons, we've decided it would be in the best interest of all of us, including you, our listeners, not to have sponsored ads in our shows. So, what we've done is set up a Patreon account. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that allows artists to obtain funding from patrons on a recurring basis. Now, it can be as little or as much as you think you can send to us for the work that we put into providing quality Fab Four free-for-all shows. Now, we know that we have thousands of worldwide listeners, and if each of you just contributed a dollar a month, that's just 25 cents per episode, we would have enough to retire and not have to do these shows. (laughs) Sorry. Seriously, though, we've gotten some great feedback from everyone about how much these shows mean to you, and we feel the same way. But it would be nice if we could break even in terms of cost so that we can continue to bring these shows to you in a timely fashion. Yeah, I know, we can be delayed every once in a while, but that's because, as John Lennon so beautifully said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. But we do vow to make every effort to have a quality show to you every week. We only ask that everyone go and visit Patreon.com to at least check out what it's all about and to see if you can contribute a little something in return for all the hard work and effort that we put into these shows for you. Just do a search for Fab Four Free For All and tell us that you give a buck about what we do. Thanks to all of you for being such great loyal listeners. We're back here. We're talking about Vertical Man and... As Tony just said, the, the little break, this is a monster record. That's a good review. <laughs> That's a good review. Did you mean it's a great record, or did you mean it's Frankenstein all over the... It, no, it's oh, a great it's, record. I was it's, it's kidding. Bo- it's both. 
It's both. It's a great record it, that has that has a lot of things on a it. A hell of a lot going on with it. It's a okay. it's a funky little record. I went back to it's it. Philistine. For the first time. It's Philistine. <laughs> I like his sister Phyllis. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was my first time going back to it in a long time. I uh, play this a lot actually. So, yeah, and like that's that's another thing, you know, not only about our show, but I'm proud about the fact that when we announced, you know, to each other, when we talk about that we're going to review and analyze an album. So many of these I don't ever listen to for so long. And then when we do them and you come up with a, a good, solid album, and I'm not saying the others aren't solid. There's good points to every album. Well, maybe. But this one is so solid, and I hadn't taken it out of the my wall unit in so long, like you just said. And guess what? Now I'm, I'm going to keep it out for a while. Yeah. Now I may not leave it out... <laughs> Don't go it's there. It's so nice out. I think I'm leaving it out. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I might not leave it out as long as, you know, maybe we would, uh, with like a Hard Day's Night or, or Band on the Run or, or even, you know, uh, All Things Must Pass or but, something. But this is also an album, if you had a party and you had that song in the background, people would, would be it, saying, what the hell is this? They'd say, oh, this is interesting. Well, because uh, I don't know. But they'd still be saying, what the hell is it? Because they well, definitely they never heard they it if you're it. playing you're right, at a party. You're right. I right. agree with that. So, but people wouldn't say, get this off, probably. No, they'd but probably you, know what? you go to a lot of parties. Where, where are I mean, we when yeah. we're at? You're, you're at a lot of parties. And you're, we never, ever. We never get we're not invited. My, my, friends, my friends don't know you we, guys. I never but will. Can I say something? There are certain... Never will. There are a couple of times... embarrassed by us, he is. So am I. I'm embarrassed by myself. Wow. <laughs> um, it's like I'm going to sue myself after the there. show. No, but you know what? And, and some of the parties that Rob says, oh, I, Ringo the Fourth wouldn't be. I, I don't want to go to his parties. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I say Ringo the Fourth would be good at a party. Uh, well, that, if you want to clear well, out the be, party, sorry, that would be good for a funeral. That'd be like, oh, it's it's two o'clock in the morning. Are you still here? Oh, let me put Ringo the Fourth. Here we go. Lipstick traces. Uh, oh god, wrong album. I know, but I'm just. I, it was it's just be like, bye. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what? Why don't we talk about the album? Let's Rob? start off with the album. There are several variations of this album. The album we're going to talk about basically is the 13-track album. There was also um, some different variations where bonus tracks were put on. We'll get to those, but we're going to just basically talk about the 13-track album. I have a question for you, sure. though. In my notes, I'm looking, right. and it said that this there was, was a limited edition. I got this from the record company because I, you know, I, I got up. two of those. One of them is sealed, right? And I bought it. But it's I totally, don't have one in you. <laughs> you have a regular version? I have a regular version. I found. See, I didn't I even know case. that there was a regular version, but that's the one that came out. I have a good old open it up jewel case. Yeah, I, that's the one I found later on. I bought it because I didn't have it. You know, just, I have two a dollar of the... Tool, the so. uh, it opens up into a trifold. Right. It's a digipack, they call right. it. And I read that it was a limited, listen to this, very ambitious, a limited edition of 100,000 for Ringo. <laughs> no offense, Ringo, we love you, but you ain't selling 100,000. But, but you got to remember, when Mercury came on board, they really did get behind this record. They did a lot of things. There was a, a radio show with Jim Ladd on the Album Network uh, where Ringo gets interviewed about the record. There was a couple of promo edits for Lottie Da, which was a totally different edit. It wasn't just they cut parts out. They restructured the song. King of Broken Hearts, they did a radio edit. They cut out about 40 seconds. So they did a lot of promotion to start this record. 
You know, it didn't do what they wanted, which was unfortunate. But you can't blame Mercury for not trying. No, no, and you can't blame Ringo for and not cannot, trying because he went everywhere. This so. was a record where you know, I, I and I know it's impossible because he's so distinctive. But this was a record where if you had put like Mark McGillicuddy as the artist, it might have done better. You're right. You know, it's horrible that, to say that. But that's what I was trying to get at earlier in the show, by saying the apathy of someone when you say Ringo Starr has a you're new right, album out. Right. That's the, the problem. The response isn't, oh, I can't wait to go run out and buy that Correct. and hear it. It's aw, cute. But that's you're right. why aw, no, Ringo you're right. has a new album And even aw. when he does, and the sad part is, when you see him live, he usually connects his album to the tour. Yeah. He'll say, who has a new record? And you know, I'm, I'm raising my hand like this. And, <laughs> oh, you're and, the and, one. And maybe you two might be. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but, right. We don't go through <laughs> but, but it anymore. I do, a, but I'm sure he doesn't see But it, it becomes a joke that yeah. no one's bought this record. And he it, makes the joke. He yeah. makes the joke. Yeah. Which, oh, like, you're oh, the, the one. Seven, right, yeah. you're the seven of us. And it's too bad because ever So since, many of them deserve to be heard. Ever since this record, he's had a continuous release pattern of like every two years, which has been good. Not every record is perfect like this, no, I would consider. There some flaws. But there's always some great songs on the record. If you were to strip like each record, you'd have a very nice compilation. I agree. And this record is almost perfect because it starts off with a song called One. Can I make uh, one comment before we start? Seriously. About one? No, about the in general. And then we'll sure, go. sure. I do have in my notes, and this is not... Please don't take this the wrong way because I really do like this album. But I wish Autotune was available for him on this album. A lot of it, I really? think. Yes. I didn't have any but problems. I, you know what I find? It's charming. No. I. Mm, I, shall, I shall challenge you, Mr. Axelrod, on Go this. For it. There are moments where vocally you feel. Like he's going off, but listen to the melody. Well, I have that it, in one of my notes too. There's the there's a moment there. In fact, I even I one think it's in my notes when we get there. He either comes into a note and you go ooh, but then you realize that the melody was written for his his inconsistency. Okay, and it actually works. And I I I'm do. Not- I mean. There is an aspect of charmingness to, to him being slightly but off. that's also a problem. You can't just say Ringo's charming anymore. Now he has to produce. Well, yeah, but then again, you know, listen to, there are a lot of vocalists out there, and with all due respect to him, there are moments when Rod Stewart comes into a note and you go, whoa, where is he going? Yeah. Absolutely. And I told you lately, I love you, where he joked, he made yeah. a joke out of it, but he hit that wrong. And oh, he yeah. He made a joke out of it and, and saved it. Yeah, and he saves it, but... There are moments when he would have used auto-tune back then, you know, and again, I love Rod Stewart, a lot of his work. I hate the standards, but I don't know. I I think there's moments on here where his voice is better than you first think it is, in a way, because of the melody. Let's put it this way. I think with the production, with the album, even when he does occasionally stray a little bit. Drift away. (laughs) Drift away, yes. uh, I think it fits in with the record. You know, oh, I don't know about you know, that. You know, hey, Beatles had... Well, I think bad notes don't fit in with records. Well, hold just me to tight. be honest. I hold think. me tight was off key, and it's still <laughs> on uh, Please Please Me, so... <laughs> it's true. It is. No, it's not. I'm sorry. It's with, not. The with the Beatles. With the <laughs> wow, we're a Beatles oh, We're done. He's off. I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> with the Beatles. Riding nowhere. Yeah. You guys will turn on each other in a minute. <laughs> yeah, of course we would. Then I'll be... Wait, time out. That brings us right to the first song. Then it would be... One. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Beatles I, won. Remember, I'm the, gra- I'm the grab <laughs> Nash around here, okay? <laughs> you two were turned on Nash. each other in a minute. That by, was by the, really by, by the way, uh, grab Nash. By the way, you, I just want, before we start this, you, you just said something about it becomes Ringo Starr and people yeah. get apathetic toward it. That's what I meant, if, negative If this was a band, let's say this was given a band name. Yeah. Instead of Ringo Starr. The uh-huh. shoes. The shoes, let's say. Or the, no, they the, were already a band. The new shoes. The new shoes. Would Do you think the expectations and the response would have been better? I don't know. And, and, I and say that's that, just something to think about. Uh, well, it is. But uh, just real quick, because I don't want to get off on this topic. But I think when Ringo announces he has a new album out, the expectation is low. Yes, yes. And, and, and that's unfortunate. Yes, because he did... Again, that's why I was saying he set the bar so high with it, don't come easy, and you're 16, and, and I think it's very low. Can I do a missed opportunity, maybe? Sure. 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 Mercury with a missed opportunity. What happened when the Knack album came out? What was it called? Get the, the next, Knack. The next Beatles. Oh, yeah. Right. What was, you know, the Bay City Rollers? The next Beatles. What was the Bangles? The female Beatles. What was it? So, you know what you do? You put out the new Ringo album, and you put out, you put the star, and you put Vertical Man the new Beatles, or or it's, Ringo would it's, never let that happen. No, but but think about it. If you took that record and you said the you know basically hyped it as, man, this is the most Beatles sounding record in years and years. Oh, son of a bitch! It's by one of the Beatles. Ringo would never Talk about allow setting it. Setting the bar high. But, but no, but but why not? Why not have somebody album. put That's... that record on and think to themselves, it's all about psychology. You put that record on, you think to yourself, I'm putting on a well, really th- great sounding, not cool, until you, when, record. No, because as soon as you hear the first track, it's Ringo. That's true. But yeah, well, that's true. Got but it. then again, the basic band of what Ringo worked on this record became as the Roundheads. So that's let's true. say it became Ringo and the Roundheads, or just the Roundheads. Well, just the Roundheads. That's, that's interesting. You know, that's a good point. So, if you would have had the Roundheads, the roundheads you know, instead of calling it Ringo Starr, Vertical Man the by the Roundheads. A, 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 a could, band could led been, by Ringo Starr. It could have been thought of as something different. The Alarm did this in Great Britain. They had a song called R- uh, 45 RPM, and instead of putting it out as the Alarm, which is thought of as dated and out, you know, outdated and stuff, they put it out as a band called the Poppy Fields. Sure. And they made sure. a video. They got twenty-year-old kids miming the song, and British press didn't know. And they were saying, "This great new song from the uh, from the Poppy Fields, forty-five RPM. This is what uh, pop music and rock and roll should be about." And then they found out it was Mike Peters. And all of a sudden, on the chart, it was ascending. It just stopped. That's happened. To, that happened with well, that happened with Pink Puzz, which is Paul Revere and the Raiders. Oh, okay. okay. They sent out Paul Revere and the Raiders sent out an album, nineteen sixty-seven, as Pink Puzz. <laughs> <laughs> and the record, the, the people were picking it up and playing it, and they were like, this sounds a little familiar. And DJs were spinning tracks off of it. And then when they sent out a press release saying Paul Revere and the Raiders, alias Pink Puzz is the name of the album, right. they dropped it like a hot potato. Yeah, a, well, Julian did the same thing for Volat. He sent it out the demos, not under Julian. Right, right. Just as, just as no one. That's right. And people, That's right. oh my God, this is great. And because he didn't want that expectation of John Lennon. And, and, right. and Paul does it several times. Yeah, but the minute he's sitting on the dog, yeah. like, oh, gee, who is it? It's done. That Paul must be old John's kid. You know. <laughs> well, right. But, you know, Paul's done it with the fireman. He's done several name yeah. changes along the way. Right. Anyway, so, so let's start off with this record. The album starts off with, I think, a song that Davy Jones would have had a really good time with. Uh, this to me is Davy Jones. This to me sounds like a monkey slash Davy Jones song. Uh, just maybe in the chord changes and the melody, 
I, I like the song, but I always think of Davey when I think of the song. Oh, a very good Davey song. Really? That's okay. That's, not just, at all. Okay. Well, that's yeah, that's I, what I, I always that's thought. That's weird. Yeah. No, I mean, I, to me, um, I think this kicks the record in really, really well. I think Ringo's, it's very, very youthful Ringo voice here. Very youthful, which is what is really nice. I think um, past albums had kind of capitalized on that sort of deeper, almost affected Ringo voice. You know, right. I've got a like it, it's it was almost the Ringo like you could picture him doing what I'm doing right now, which folks can't see. Like I'm pulling my neck in, <laughs> you know, to sing it's not like pretty, it's folks. yeah. But I mean, he'd done some vocal stuff like that on on Old Wave, but it got completely lost. Right. And from the first time this record comes in, it's the follow-up to Time Takes Time. The moment this record it hits in- It sounds like a leftover track. It wasn't, it, but this sounds yeah, like it could have been but on it's, that record. It's, you know, you're talking about like not a moment has passed, Time Takes Time was done, and you're going in and you're, you're working on the follow-up. I love the harmonica solo. I love the fact that unlike past records, the backing vocals don't kill Ringo. They just enhance him. That's a Mark uh, Hudson thing. Totally Mark Hudson. This is a really strong start for a Ringo Starr record. And, and I have that too. I actually have nice retro pop song. Yeah. And it is. It's a it's a nice opener. Yeah, because even the when you first put it on, that drum that dim 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 dum and then you get that, you know. And I, I it's not oversung. No. If that makes sense. Like yeah, it, it's, it's not. It's, it's sung nicely. I think you're right. It sounds like a leftover track from time even yeah. though it's not. Yeah. But it's just a really good opening track, and it sets it off. I, I think there's a bunch of songs on here that could have been a nice opener. Definitely. but, uh, but Which is a good problem to yeah, have. Yeah, definitely. But it, definitely. It, the problem is where else would you put this song? There's no place else to put I think there's definitely plenty of places you could have put this song. Again, sequencing on this album is not a concern for me because all of it's good. So I, I, The sequencing is very strong on this record. Yes, and we've often talked about sequencing on certain albums that might have made it better, right. well, only because... The, the the album itself is not fully strong, and but this one I think there's so many strong songs that they could have arranged any any way, and and a good yeah. album is a good album. I was gonna say we've talked about sequencing killing records, true, yeah. too, and that's you know not with this one. This case. is a nice pop yeah. song opener, yeah. So, uh, but the, just the part about the Davy part, the part that I where I thought it was Davy, it's a chord progression and the melody where he goes. Um, my world, but you're not in it. One girl, all it takes is one. To me, that a, section all reminds it takes me, is, is one. Is, <laughs> if if Davey was looking for a song to cover at that time, you know, you're not the only cuddly toy. <laughs> that might have been. Nice. This might have been a no, nice song to cover. I'm not sure about that, but well, but, right. but it's but I, I, it's to me it's it's probably the weakest song of the album, and that says a lot. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have a couple of weaker bones, but that's well, right. <laughs> well, to me, it's the weakest one. Uh, oh, the second God. song is called What in the World, which uh, features Paul McCartney on bass, we should say. And and vocals. And, and that's the and one he said sounded too, yeah. very beatly. Yeah, that's the one. And it does. I would love to know where Ringo wrote and where he inspired. Yeah. I'm not sure of where. Uh-oh. I'm going to say, I'm going to jump in and say beatly, but... It's bad fingery. 
Which I think it's more either. bad finger than beat. Which ain't bad either. No, I don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, I I'm that. a huge. I know that. That's for people who so, don't know. Tony's a huge. So fan to me, guy. it's it's, well, he's it's an ass. Even nice. Yeah, we should say for those who don't know, is is an album. Yes, is one. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got a bad finger for you. I got a good finger for you. Whoa! I'll leave the room. So will I. Oh my! What are you doing? By myself again. Are you a doctor now? Yes. Bend over. All right. So now that my proctologist has left the building. All right. Um, I have. No, but seriously, um, I don't know. It's this was such a favorite track of mine for a while. What in the world? Um, yeah, it's a great vocal. Again, McCartney's vocal blend with Ringo on this is fantastic. Yeah. The drum and guitar lick that kind of locks in. That's pure power pop. I, I mentioned in my like when I'm writing my notes, I mentioned Badfinger like three times. The whole '70s vibe is just real nice, but it's that like, it's that Beatley thing, but it's the Bangles, Elvis Costello, Badfinger doing Beatles, not Beatles doing Beatles. Right, right. And and there's a huge difference there, I think. And it also helps. Uh, we should mention Joe Walsh is on. He does the solo, and he's on yeah. one of the three guitarists on it. And you know, Joe Walsh. Plays very well with Ringo. He's, you know, he, yeah, they he, play nice in the sandbox. He is, George is obviously going to be, you know, Ringo's favorite guitar player who does solos. But Joe Walsh knows where to fit his solos with a Ringo song. He doesn't overtake the album where maybe Old Wave was a little more overstating himself a little bit. But yes, on this album, he, he's on several tracks. They just fit in very well. You know, Philosophically, though, the lyric always got me, and maybe because I, I think too much, me and the sky would be blue, yeah. which is great, but the if the sky is, is blue, then that's happy. And if you're blue, that's not happy. <laughs> so you're thinking, wait, me and the sky would be gray, blue. No, but you know what I'm saying? It's, right, a, weird, right. it's a weird dynamic because the, sky, if, if the sky is blue, it's a good day. Now you've ruined the song. But, but then, oh, then afterwards he goes, the, the shine will light, but there'll be no light. <laughs> yeah, well, so I know it's very, you know, it's fun to do stuff like that. Me and the sky would be blue. If you think about it, it's a, it's a, I it's have totally to wonder opposite. if it was a, but I have to wonder if that was a Ringoism. Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, well, Hard day's night. Tomorrow yeah. never knows. Me, me and, and the, the sky, sky would be blue. blue. But if I'm blue, I'm unhappy. But if the sky is blue, it's a good day. So it's a weird. Th- you really completely just, ruined the song for me. And also, it's not <laughs> proper. It's not proper English. Me and the sky. As would be a blue. lyricist, now I hate the song. Now the right, sky the, and I would be the blue. albums of four. <laughs> See, it'd be the sky and I would be blue. <laughs> An English major. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now Ian McKellen does Ringo Starr. <laughs> the, sky the sky and I and I would be blue. would be blue. Well, I like the song a lot, and I think the Badfinger analogy is a very good uh, sure analogy is. for that song. The next song some people didn't like because they thought that it was kind of Billy Joel. Oh, because of the We Didn't Start the yeah, Fire. Yeah, We Didn't Start the Fire. Oh, I, cool I don't think. Crap's sake. I don't think. It, I have that in my notes. It has a slight Billy Joel feel. was the first guy to do a list. Yeah. How about yeah. Subterranean Homesick Blues? Yeah. I, I mean, really. But, yeah, but not uh, the. Uh, Bringo. All right. Go ahead. It's called it, Minefield. It's called Minefield. Um, it, it it has that feel, but to me, it, it goes way beyond what Billy did with uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. 
I don't know if it goes way beyond. It's just a whole different thing. Well, just it's the like, melody. I'm it's not about the a whole different thing. It's, you know, you it don't really think it's isn't. a different thing than Lost we didn't. Thigh, blank thigh, dimmit thigh, bapat thigh. That's, we didn't start it, the fire. It, it, well, way, I don't know what he's saying. So, <laughs> in a way, it, it is, and in a way, it isn't, because I, I sort of like, and, and other people have used that style of writing. Yes, where but this. You da, 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 Johnny's in the basement, mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement, thinking about the government, man, and the, I mean. Yeah, really? Yeah. It's been done before, but they, he, they did it well. That's the best way to put it. This yeah. would have been a good opener. Yes. Drive, yes. It's a good driving yes. song, and I don't mean driving yes. like... You know, driving. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how you drive? I drive... <laughs> my car doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> That's why I always say, baby, you could drive my car. You could drive Because I don't want to be in it. <laughs> no, but I think this would have been a really cool opening song, too. Yeah. Just the way it drives, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. It's a really... I think it's also, for a big song, with a lot of chorus and everything, it's not overproduced. No, so no. it it flows well. You know, it could have been... Really overproduced, but it wasn't. And I, and, and I like the the theme of the song, which is basically not everything's going to be great, and you got to be careful. And yes, and the lines in it work very well with that theme. I will say I don't like the fact that at the end the minefield goes off, which means you didn't I, make it through. Yeah, I kind of. That was I that was like the only that part actually. of. Oh, I you I figured. I, I, like. Only because it's sort of it's sort of very non Ringo. Well, that's fifth sort of, of November. November. That's true. That's fifth what I thought about. I yeah. thought about that. I mean, to me, I like the fact that he's he's Might getting have been his tribute to that. Um, he's getting yeah. serious here. Wasn't he on that by the way, Ringo? Oh, yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah unremember. He's getting serious here. Which is nice. Yeah, it's, it's it's Ringo. It's a serious song. Lyrically, it's this is a grown up Ringo album. There's an absence. While there is self awareness, there's Ringo making very Ringo ish comments along the way about peace and love and about there's there's a little bit of a Ringo being self aware that it's a Ringo record, but the novelty aspect isn't present on this record. There's not a some of Ringo's stuff tends to go in the novelty direction at times, and it's almost too Ringo. Whereas, like, like this showbiz chummy type yeah, of thing. This is really great guitar interplay. Um, yeah. There's an effect on Ringo's voice, but it's an extension of the subject matter. It's not being done to kind of cover up Ringo's flaws as a right. vocalist. A creepy, crunchy guitar solo in a in a Ringo record? That's a little weird. Joe Walsh. Did you say creepy crunchy? Creepy and crunchy, yeah. And what does that mean exactly? It's it's kind of a creepy And I'm not trying to be uh, It's I'm a at- creepy guitar solo. It's got a Teeth it's solo. a sneaky guitar solo. It's got notes that aren't jangly, poppy, sunshiny. Okay. And it's got a little well, bit it of fits a fits the song. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean right. that, that's where I'm going. Okay, and I, even I didn't the, know where you were going. No, no, it's okay. But even the like the be your own guru line that comes in. It doesn't turn the song into parody. And Ringo Records have a tendency to go to parody. Um, Unfortunately. There's Sometimes. almost an Aerosmith vibe to this wow. track. I find a little I bit agree. of Tyler's this, on this, it. No, right. Stephen Tyler's no, not, not, not on it. Yeah, he is. Not he on is? my field. Yes. Yeah, he what? is. They do background vocals. He, oh, you're oh, right. That's, I'm sorry, Scott you're right. Wyland and right. uh, Alanis Morissette. You're right. That's right. And, and you know, and the cool and thing Mark is, Cups. I think it well, it, yeah, I, I think it ends at just the right time. I think that I like the explosion. I wrote this disconcerting. You, the, this song reminds me a little bit of "Living on the Edge," and since yes. Mark Hudson co-wrote that and yes. co-wrote this, I would assume that Mark Hudson came up with a lot of the song. Wow, living and, on and, the edge. And the only thing I, only thing I, I'm reminded of it 
when we were at the fest last year, Tony, you and I are on stage with with Mark Hudson. Yeah. And no, that was two years two ago. Years, I'm two sorry, two years ago. I was about to say, ago. where was I? Yeah, well, I you, was you, there. Well, that's right. Two years ago, you weren't. Thank you. Because you couldn't make it. Well. So we're on stage, and he's talking about living on the edge. But he's playing it slower than the Aerosmith version. And for some reason, when I was re-listening to the record, I thought of when you and I are on stage when he's talking about that song. Interesting. Well, so, he probably just did that because he thought you guys were the bomb. No. 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 I was oh, praising yeah. you two and you give me the... <laughs> so, but wow. I, but it, it, there's Don't a lot of good lyrics in this song, too. It's a, it's, it's a much more serious song than, than you sort of get the yeah. impression of. There's, yeah. But it's disguised as a pop song. Yes, yes. It's a, it is. Yeah, know. But it's good. Yeah, I agree. Track four, uh, standard number one on this record. Standard? Standard. The first time I heard this song, I said, oh my God, this is such a great song. I don't know if they Thank God George Harrison wrote it. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Nice. laughs> you know it don't come easy. Yeah, nice. okay. And, uh, no, um, but... And back off Boogaloo, too. But first time I heard this, you know, I don't know if they still have love song shows out there in the, in the radio world, but they used to. This would have been a perfect song for the love song generation who love those sad love songs. Because it's a little dirgy. It is a little bit, but you know what? It, it, it works out so well. As a song, and this is some of George Harrison's yes. greatest playing. Oh, yeah. I don't want to say ever, because that might yeah. be too much, but this is some of his greatest playing. Yep. And I don't know if this yeah. is one of the last songs he ever worked on, because this was 97 he worked on it, and he died in, in 2001. You know, I don't know what he did at home in his house, but we know he didn't play on Horse to the Water with Jules Holland. Right. So I don't know if it's the last song he ever did, but it could be. This is a great song. He worked with Ruby Horse. I know that. He did a, a track with them. This guitar playing is fantastic. Well, Ringo even said, you have me crying, George, when he yeah. said when to back to... Back, yeah. Yeah, so, it uh, sounds like he's crying. It's, the, well, the guitar it's a very, parts sound like he's, the, he's crying. Weeping. No, but you know what? <laughs> the This song reminds me, and I just thought of it. I have it in my notes. The Mellotron is very Strawberry Fields Forever. Right. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? I yeah. just thought of it. What? Saltwater by Julian. Oh, that's interesting. It, yeah. It definitely that. Yeah. It's very salt water by Julian. Yeah. And George song. plays on that too. Well, it's not oh, sort of. Sort of. We sort of. He did half. No, he said he did half of it and, and then Julian, whatever. But I'm not getting to that okay. thing. But but it sounds very salt water. It's, by the way, if you haven't heard Julian's salt water, go, go listen. Yeah. And by the way, there's going to be a 25th anniversary of salt water, which all Will the proceeds there? are. Yeah, Julian announced it uh, just oh, days ago. And, really he, and he did. Yeah. But. That's not the name of the album. Oh, I think it's Help Yourself Help is the album. Right, right. Yeah. But there's going to be a charity single making of it, and all proceeds will go to charity. But anyway, I, I digress. But King of Broken Hearts sounds very saltwater. It's a little bit slow for me, but I, I do love this song. George's playing is great, and I, I just think it moves a little slowly, but it's a really good track. This, I love it. This and What in the World have stayed consistently kind of in my... Beatles oh, radio show playlist. These are go-tos for me from Ringo. Again, is, a favorite we, track from the era. But we said, uh, is George on background vocals? It's supposedly not, but it sure sounds like him. It does sound yeah. like him. It's, this is one supposedly of the, it's all Mark Hudson, but it does. And George it could sounds be. like he's on it, but he, you know, he's not listed in the credits. This is uh, one of the tracks where, like you were talking about, Mitch, where his voice is not a hundred, is not a thousand percent at the start of it. Mm. He slides into the notes 
opening the track. I have others, but... But it actually works. And I commented, too, in my notes about... I was like, the Mellotron flute beetle vibe thing. Yeah. Very, very effective. George's guitar work is perfect. I mean, this, to me, is a is a jewel in, in Ringo's catalog, partly because of songwriting. Yeah. This is like a weirdness here to me. And I, I wrote this line down. I went, what does this mean after I wrote the line? Somehow they've managed to figure out a way to get the Beatles harmony algorithm into place with Ringo as the lead, which okay. which is weird. Like the Beatle harmonies, you think of the Beatle harmonies, and it's nowhere, man. It's right, if I right. needed someone, it's it's not carry some, that weight. It's not carry that weight, and it's not flying, and it's not although flying is awesome. But Our Ringo version. is the lead here, and somehow you. Get the Beatle harmonies, it, it, and it works. It, and also the the string arrangement is very Beatley, very George Martiny. Yes, and George yeah. Martin does not do the it, even though he does work on another song, uh, which is "I'm Yours." He does not do the strings on this. Right. Uh, someone right. named uh, Graham Prescott does, but to me, it's so 1967 Beatles. Yes. Just the sound. There's a part where the orchestra just keeps going on a little bit after Ringo sings. Duh, 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 duh. And it's just like, oh, my God. It yet just it, works so well. Yet it wouldn't have fit on the White Album. No, it wouldn't, and it wouldn't you know have fit, I mean? on, on it would have fit in Mag- or, or Magical Mystery right. Tour. But yet somehow. Good point. Good point. So very yeah, what would, that's a good question. What Beatle album would this? This is what I'm trying to Maybe the next one. Earlier. That's why the algorithm this part is works. The, is a, is the a algorithm. Good, uh, maybe, you know what? Yeah. You know what album this would have been really good on? What? The next one. <laughs> right. Seriously. No, right. You're right. No, After Abbey right. Road. We don't know what that was, but right. the next one. This that, one. that would have been, uh, a, that's a very good song. point. All right. So, yeah, so when we do with our Beatles 1971 album, you put this on, really mess with people's heads. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. But it's, it's such a great song. It was released as a promo single. Uh, there was a radio edit for those who collect that type of stuff. There wasn't a video. I wish there, there was, was. There wasn't. But again, videos been. at that point. Well, it was a different thing. Different era. Um, and the funny thing about this they send the tapes to George, and he sends them back uh, via post. Via the mail. <laughs> the and British Post. We would just sit. We had a whole thing <laughs> offline when we were saying. So, Ringo, the thing is, I've sent you the, the guitar parts <laughs> out with my Christmas cards. So, if you get it, Bloody let me know. The postman didn't you know, deliver it. The postman, if the postman didn't deliver it. Then. No. All right. So, then, but, you know what it is. I'll do it again. I'll play whatever you want me to play, <laughs> or I won't play at all. Whatever it is that will. I'll get McCartney ple- to do it. Oh, oh bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> just get clapped in but, then. But, but, but the question is... Uh, Pot's getting lost uh, in the mail, and meanwhile, the, the bootleg postman <laughs> is going, I've got a solo. <laughs> Hello, yellow dog. <laughs> rough, rough, I got something for you. <laughs> imagine, you know, imagine you, you're the postman for George you're, Harrison. You're picking up at George Harrison's house, and it says, to Ringo Starr, and it looks like maybe a CD and it's, or it's something. A, it says media rate on it, so you know it's music or something. <laughs> media <laughs> for those of you in other than in the states, media is like the slowest you could possibly send it, and it would go. You but because it's, it's music or books right, or something, right, I know. But the fuck that's sending it's it George Harrison, <laughs> sending it media rate to bring no go. FedEx, no it won't UPS. sell anyway. Let's so. see, I got my record club edition of the new ELO album, and oh, there's George's guitar parts oh, for my God. new album. For my new album. <laughs> 
<laughs> Imagine like five years later, Ringo's doing an album and that shows up. Ringo's like, just standing by the mailbox, <laughs> tapping on his watch. Where's George's Where's boss? Where's George's boss? Now you fly them in via computer, but you know. But the question is, why didn't he go to George's house? Yeah, why doesn't he walk over to George's house or go over there? Walk I mean, over. Well, not walk. What? You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Monaco is pretty far from Henley on Thames. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe he, can, he can't go into Great Britain for a you know, certain amount of time. Tax reasons. Tax reasons. I'm going to walk over to George. I'm just I'm walking over walk. to George's. Well, I was, I was walking. walking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's what that song's about. Well, I was walking to George's, George's house to get a solo. <laughs> wow. Here comes Paul. He's coming with me. <laughs> We might record wow. a song or two we're, that we're having, night. <laughs> we're having way too much fun. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. All, all those years ago, that's what happened. Oh. They, all, they all went to Paul's uh, house. and. My God. Oh, God. Okay, the next track. Uh, I really liked. Uh, a lot of Beatles fans were upset that he covered Love Me Do. To me, they really made a, a kind of a... Mitch is Mitch, if this was video, I hate this song. <laughs> I like I this like song. Mitch, Mitch looked that, like Mr. Ed. Yeah, I know he's, he's like, like, like he had peanut butter in his mouth. He's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. Wilbur. I disagree with you totally. It's, you didn't even hear what I said. You did, just said it was a piece of crap. I, no, he said I don't like I it. Said I don't I said like it's a piece it. of crap. That's the same thing, isn't it? Now, Love Me Do is not much of a song to begin with. It's a very nice regular song. It's not they one of my tur- favorite Beatles songs. No, it's not. But they turned it into a rock song. The, the backing track is really strong. Steven Tyler's on harmonica, and he does a really good job of extending what John did as a, as a monica solo. And I like the instrumental part in the middle. It, it lifted the song, I think, from what the original uh, Steven version. Tyler's harmonica solo, to me, is the only thing, or harmonica work, is the only thing that keeps this going over from into novelty and keeps it bluesy. Parody. Parody. This is where Ringo hits parody, just like you said before. Unfortunately, now, again, that love me do, love me do, at the end. I, I love that. Uh, I love that. But, And I know what Ringo but said. But that's a Mark Hudson thing. At the yes. End. Mark, that's a Mark Hudson, Stephen Tyler thing, really. But Ringo yeah. said, I didn't play on the first one. I really wanted to. And he said, I'll get those bastards. That's a quote from Ringo. Right. And he played this. Unfortunately, when you have a song, especially a Beatles song, that is so well known. It was their first hit, and he then does it again. It doesn't work for me, and it's not because it's Ringo, but Ringo's voice doesn't suit this if at they, all. If they had done something celebratory, if they had actually done this band, had done a cover version of "I Should Have Known Better" or "Please Please Me" or something like no, that, and no. fitted Ringo's voice to it, Ringo did. I it call your been name a lot of for fun. that tribute album. Yeah, which was which was good. I, I didn't like that either. Okay. I, I just think but I don't, don't mess it. with the Beatle catalog yeah. when you're when you're a Beatle. This to me. But well, we were going to call this the new Beatles at the beginning. No, I of the wasn't. Show. I wasn't. Tony no. was. So blame him. <laughs> but, no, but no, but I, I I honestly think this just doesn't work for me. It's a nice attempt, and there is some really good backing vocals and. You know, it's a very different song. I just don't like the finished product. That's all. I, this is the weak cut on the album for me. Absolutely. This is this is the weak point Really, the I would have gone with, as I said, um, one. I, I like this. I didn't like this, the story that came out with it, though. That, oh, well, Ringo wasn't on the you know, the record. Well, he is. He's on the single version. He's not on the album but version. But Ringo says the quote, I wasn't on the record. Right, right. So I'll show those bastards. 
I don't well, think that's the, the reason they covered it, though. No, maybe not. But what is the public supposed to think if Ringo himself said, I wasn't on the record, I'll show those bastards? Right. Right. If he gives the impression he wasn't on it, then again. He wasn't on back of the USSR either. <laughs> he wasn't? That's true. He yeah. wasn't? Yes. No. Oh, oh, that's Paul. No, <laughs> no, but I mean, right now you just look, it's, it's still a better cover version than Hey Baby. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, a lot of things are better than No, hey but you know baby. what I mean. It's it's a better cover version than Hey Baby, but it just, what to me, it's. Where I Love Go. It's that the. worse. Right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Worse. But it's the weak track on the record. Okay, I, I disagree, but I understand where you're coming from because a lot of people thought that maybe he shouldn't be doing a Beatles song like this I at all. I no problem with him doing a Beatles song. I just don't think this one was particularly the right choice. Well, I like what they did with it. I like to think that this came out more of a Mark Hudson thing than a Ringo thing, especially at the end with the... Yeah. Uh, with I the, think it could have been a bonus cut and I would have been happier. That right. would have been probably better. Mr. Double That's Up all. maybe would have been a better Yeah, Mr. Addition. Double Up, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Okay, the next track on here, this is where Ozzy comes in. It's the title song. It's the title track called Vertical Man. I love the song. This is such a song that you don't expect from Ringo. Just the opening, to the beginning part of the drum and the heaviness of the guitar, and then the strings come in, and this has a like a, a sense of gloom around it, even though it's really not about, it's not a gloomy it's song. A, I have to be blunt, it's an AA message song. Yes, it is. Yes, it, it is. It's an AA, it's an Alcoholics Anonymous message yes. song. Yes. It, it's a good it's, song, though. It's a very, very, very good song. Harmonies are incredible. Yep. And um, and also too, this is another one where you think his voice is slipping. I wrote in places scenes out of tune. Yeah, but again, that's exactly what I wrote. And then I wrote you. If you listen carefully, you realize they've created an actual melody that works for our boy. I hope so. Which is interesting. But it's, I'd like to hear this one remixed. Not that I dislike this mix, but I'd love to hear this track with a less dense mix. I'd like to hear it stri- oh, I like, stripped away I like a little bit. I, think I do too. I but think there's an orchestration on this. Yeah, there is. Uh, Ozzy, Ozzy is all over this record and the yeah. backing. I mean, literally, there's points where you really a, hear him on this. This is almost like a duet. It's very heavy. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't think of the AA message, but now that I'm looking at the lyrics, when the world is coming down on you and your back's against the wall, also at the end, if you feel like giving up, don't let life know it's tough. Let it go. Let it go. Yes. Which is a very let much- he goes several times yeah. that type of message in different songs of this yeah. album. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think of that. It's a yeah, very, it's a which, again, nothing wrong with that. It's right. not preachy. It's not. It's very, very well written. It's supreme power pop. Yes. Oh. The drum work during the break oh. is just fantastic. And this is where, when we were talking about the drumming of Ringo, Ringo. this is where, yep. to me, is the perfect, if you had to say, when we were talking about the drums, this is the supreme drum song of this album. Definitely. Yeah, also, definitely. well, the drums at the end are very free as a bird. No, that's true. Yes, okay. That's true. Okay, that's point. very true. This gives you, not that you don't know it all along, but this is at the point where you stop and you kind of acknowledge that Ringo Starr and this group of people that are putting this record together are out to put together a very strong album. Yes, this is yes. an album. They're not screwing around. No. This is not a, oh, hell, time to do another record. No. This is we have something to say and we're going to put together a strong record. But I also think that the gathering that's a lot of the same people on the record, the, the main core people, led to the belief that Ringo could continue this and not have to say, oh, we have to get to 10 songs. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, oh, here's a song, well, here's something else, and, well, yeah. here's 10. He liked this band a lot. And, I, you know, unfortunately, the Roundheads are no more. Yeah. 
But this is sort of a, a gathering of people. And we're musicians. We're not like this. But anyone who's been a musician or played with musicians, when it starts to kick in and everyone starts to know their place and where the strengths are and how to make it even better and becomes a cohesive sound, and then you like you get excited because yep. you, you want to do more. And this, this is where the album kicks in for me a lot. Where oh, the, I think it kicked in. No, but where the band comes in is this cohesive unit where – they know it's going to be more than what they're just doing. That's what happens. Why? That's why music happens. Yeah, it's not just the chords and the and the notes and the words. It's mm. the playing and where you're playing it and how you're playing it and just putting it all together. Just to me, this is where it kicks in. Uh, I agree. It, obviously, it meant something to him, as you said, an AA message song. It's the title of the album, so he obviously was very set on that. Yeah, I just think this this song is even the ending. You know, with Again, the the very Mark Hudson-y right, yeah. ending is just really good. I mean, it's just a it's a good track. Yeah, this it's is just a little heavy, but it's it, it's like you very said, but, heavy. But it's heavy for a reason. Yes, because you know people going through a step program of AA, you know, are dealing with heaviness, right. and Ringo's obviously come out the good side and wants people to know what he's been through. Right, and this song is really just for me. Wow. Yeah, but yeah. Th- at the same time, though, if you didn't know that Ringo's a recovering alcoholic, and, no, Oz- just a and good... Ozzy's on here, too, and he's a recovering, recovering That's alcoholic. That's also very poignant. If you didn't know that part, it's still a, a kind of a positive song Definitely. about you know, yes. coming back. Getting through. Yeah. Yes, so getting through. It's not just for alcoholics, but well, it's, it's, no. the, it's the it's about antithesis coming back to something. of Minefield. Yes. Yes, in a way it is, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. almost saying, okay, you have to be careful— but then when he goes on for the album, and maybe we're being way too analytical no, here. No, no. But, I think, but I think as, the, as the album progresses, now he's saying, I'm making it through. Yeah, Even yeah. though maybe the, the bomb went off earlier, maybe in my life that's what happened. And then I, I'm recovering, and now here's, here's where I'm getting better. Yeah. It might. I yeah. mean, j- just my own no, thought. It, it works. You know, it works. Good point. Uh, the next song on this record is the second cover of the record. And the second one that I hate. <laughs> I just don't like the covers. I didn't mind the covers because they were so well known. Oh, um, that's you know, the problem. Well, Drift Away should have been released as a single. It wasn't. Oh, no, no way. Yes. No. You, you have no, Alanis no, Morissette. No. Oh, I don't care about top. her. No. You have Petty. Oh, no, it doesn't oh, matter. Wait till I get to my points. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Really? You can't do oh, this. Oh no, 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 no! No, it's I'm a, say an interesting it right album cut. Uh, but uh, if he would have put out the uh, the bonus cuts and said, "Here's two covers for you," that would have been great. Uh, for me, I have it here. I I'll told disagree you, with you, but you uh, go first. X you gets go first. a square. I don't care. <laughs> Charlie, we would have block. I really feel Dobie Gray did such a great job with this. This is one of yeah. You don't mess with it. This song, I mm. ready for what I wrote. No soul. It's no soul. Oh, this song has absolutely no soul. This song is like when my, soul record. No, th- no, I'm yeah, not. Sure but it, but it was. No way. But my this is like when I watch my son dance. He's such a white boy <laughs> dancing, and I'm sorry, I'm not offending him. He is so white, it's not even funny. And I always tell him that you are so white, do not dance. <laughs> the same thing with Ringo. You are not a soul singer. 
this has no soul. He doesn't even know because how to. Ringo's F, uh, Ringo accents the one and the three. Oh, yeah, thank and you. And the two Charlie and the Smalls. four. And, sorry. And the five and, and the eight. This is no, but sorry. yeah, Monkey's episode. Monkey's but episode. really, there's no soul on this whatsoever. And then Tom Petty comes in, who equally has no soul. Yeah, he is <laughs> the whitest well, man he alive. Is, how white could well, you be? we should say that originally. When my mind is free. <laughs> the original story was is that Steven Tyler was supposed to have the second verse. Yes. And what happened yeah. was. Sony Music said, please do not put Steven Tyler as lead singer on this because they've re-signed to Sony and we're putting out uh, yeah, some- for a hundred gazillion dollars. And people dollars. might get confused with Aerosmith and Ringo Starr records. Yeah, because that's very easy to- <laughs> Literally, literally, that's, that's what basically that's Sony said. I'm and, sorry. and they actually, it had gotten to the promo pressing. I, 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 I live on the edge. Love, love me do. No. No, no. But he wasn't on Love Me Do. Uh, Ringo? No, uh, Steven Tyler. But, <laughs> well, oh, no, he was. I'm sorry. He was. I'm sorry. He was. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Steven Tyler had a lead vocal in this thing, and they, they could have said, well, don't release it as a single. They said, no, take him off. So there they, are versions going around right. when you hear it. He us. was in the pro, up to the promo pressings. He was there. He was, yeah, in the promo. He and was on And then they said, please take him off, and that's where the Tom Petty came in. And he wasn't even in the Boo-boo. room. He was like, you know, like in another planet. Well, like wrong, wrong, wrong phrase with Tom Petty, but he was in another, another studio when he did he it. He was probably yeah, on another, another planet. planet. I know he was, but yeah. guys, I, I'm sorry, but and then Alana Smorissette comes in. There are three of the whitest people going, <laughs> yes, it's and they true. are not. It's true. Give me the beat, boys. I know what he's doing because he's a drummer and yeah, stuff, right, but yeah. it doesn't work. No, and I mean, I'm not being well, naked because I love this. Oh. So, I mean, Ringo doesn't, doesn't drum on this. So Steven Tyler does drum well, on it. He's confusing the hell out of everybody. And, and yeah, Steven right Tyler is actually heard at the end. Yes. Uh, yes. Scatting a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That part they didn't take off. Well, because no one's going to confuse that well, with no, anything. But it, no, but, uh, you know, I wrote down this. This is one of my favorite songs of all time in the history of popular music. Not this version. No. So the me problem too. is it's really tough for me. I mean, Ringo kind of, all he does is, is basically a yeoman's job. He doesn't uh, fall down while he's singing it. But you know, unless like, you it, can improve or at least make it something that... Well, wanna, what they've done it with it, do in a way, me. is they've made it into a sing-along. Even when I think this record came out, Drift Away, if you are if you were anywhere and Drift Away comes on, it's like the air guitar solo in Bohemian Rhapsody. You Everybody sing sings it. it. Yes. But what Ringo did was he made this into a sing-along. I'm not, I, it still mm. means I, I still don't like it. Mm. But, but the better you know, sing-along was Lottie Da. The better sing-along is Lottie Da. We didn't get to that yet. I know yeah. that, but, they, but you, you bring that but up. But I do have to admit that the ending comment is one of the funniest things ever on a Ringo record. With the It fades out, Ringo goes, that's all right, I'll just double that. Yeah. <laughs> which is like one of the funniest, like, is he talking about the drum track, the vocal <laughs> right. tracks, which is hysterical. That's all right, I'll just double that. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, like almost was, like they didn't even take it seriously. Yeah, but but it's Sorry. to me it is you know it's another the weak and spots on the record. Honestly, but. this is the one place where the sequencing hurt <laughs> for me because they're both on. Uh, you know, you get you get "Love Me Do" and then a great song, and then you get another cover too quickly. Yeah, yeah if it may, maybe if it true. wasn't so close to "Love Me Do," maybe it may, I may have thought about my, it, but I my, still don't like my it. My qualm about this song is: was there a reason why they chose this one? Usually. When you pick a cover, it might mean something, or you know, was there a specific reason? It probably what does mean something. You listen to the lyrics; it probably did mean something to but one or maybe. all of them. It's a beautiful song. It is. It's one know. of my. Like you said, when this comes on, 
Everybody else, yeah. shut up. I, yeah. I'm I'm singing my butt off on yeah. this, and it's a great song. But believe me, I'm white too. But he just is so Ringo's recognizable voice on this doesn't help. I, I happen to like it a lot. I you could be wrong. I That's understand fine. where you guys are coming from on it, though, because <laughs> I like your point about you know very close to two covers next to each other. Just two, uh, yeah. Especially on this record, because it is such a strong record. It is. Yeah. It, it is. These both of these there were 13 songs on this right, album. Right. That's fine. Right. He could have taken both of these off, and even if you didn't have Double Up or Good well, News, or you could have put Double It Up, you could have put these as bonus tracks on the re-release. Maybe. And maybe. it would have been fine, because you would have had 11 strong songs. We should say Steve Cropper plays electric guitar, Yeah, which yeah. which is kind of interesting. He's the only one with soul, and he's not singing. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, he was Booker T of the MGs. They, yeah, I mean- They did- how many songs for Stacks? They were the house band for yeah, Stacks really? for a long time. Talking. I Was Walking's the next track. Mm. I like this a lot. Yep. There's a lot of catchiness in this. Again, Steven Tyler on this backing yeah. up, too. And again, one of these tracks in the album where it's it's self-aware. Yep. He's kind of making it known that it's Ringo here. Hi, Ringo here. Very sing-alongy, it, too, though. Right, but it's, it, but it avoids the novelty status. Oh, yeah. Yes, that, this could and, have been on the next Beatle album, too. Yes, the, the reference to the drums isn't annoying. It oh, doesn't take away from my it. My occupation I like it. is syncopation. I like it. The one I thing like I will it. say, I don't like the little... Because Ringo... I'm a drummer. Ringo's favorite drum lick is always... Da, 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 da. I mean, of course, no, but, but, but still... No, but, the, I have here the little drum solos don't work for me, and I like the song a lot. Yes, I do. Yeah, I like them. I said I very drumming it. is my madness. Yeah. Oh no, I don't no, think it's that extreme. Drumming no, is my mean, madness is no, annoying. No, but I, but I know what you're talking about because the next line is after the syncopation line is, and when I hit them, well, it saves my life. That's yeah. a pretty strong statement. That's Absolutely. what I was, that's what I was saying here too. It's another little message song on on the record. It's another message rock. My life's better than the roll of the dice. Right. I mean, he's, I think his little he's, little Monty Python voices on. I'd it. So, yeah, I wrote the Monty Python middle break. Is, yeah, there you is go. A, little a bit of an interruption in the proceedings, but still yep. fun. Yeah. Well, that's. I think it's supposed to be just fun. Yeah. And there's Paul McCartney, yeah. Alanis Morissette, and Steven Tyler on the background yeah. vocals. Yep. Yeah. They're all on it. And Paul, does Paul play bass on this? No, Mark. No, Mark. Does. I, I got to tell you though, this is a very Mm-hmm. It's a fun song. Again, Stephen uh, Cropper's on. Uh, Steve Cropper's on. Stephen Cropper runs a bit long, and but a little bit. But a it's de- not it's, a deal breaker. But it's not. And yeah. uh, again, Stephen Tyler's a great harmonica. The, thing. Well, the harmonica I think makes this work too. Yes, yes totally. It does. Yeah. The next track, standard number two, at least for me, La Di Da. This is something Ringo should do every concert. He doesn't. You yeah, uh, said that. What? I love this song. This is a sing-along song if you ever heard one. Right. Even more than Yellow Submarine. Yeah. Why is not the whole audience going, la, la, di, da? I mean. He, he, all he has to go to the beginning. Okay, this is how the chorus goes. Okay, by the end, let's all get into it. And it's, it's to me, this, this says a lot about, again, how Ringo goes through life. Sometimes he, he seems to, like, it don't come easy. He tends to forget about the past and all you saw. This is a variation in many ways, of that phrase. Well, no, I think he's just saying life is what it is. Yeah. But and you got to say la-di-da. Uh, well, that's part of it. You know, he, he doesn't overanalyze. Uh, no. 
on this song I like the fact that we found out years and years later that Paul McCartney had a crush on Doris Day and here's Ringo doing his Doris Day <laughs> which is kind of funny you know of making course, the references you know, back to K Sera Sera that's right John makes all, all all three of the four Beatles made reference to Doris Day that's right. pretty interesting and, and, and Paul wow. produced Mary Hopkins version of K Sera K Sera Sera yeah yeah uh, this but, song I I wrote is the perfect Ringo song. I just, it's so funny. Both of you guys, we all three wrote that. This is yeah. perfect, the classic, I perfect Ringo, Ringo song. song. It's exactly it, what it, I wrote. I mean, oh my goodness, if you thought of Ringo, la di da, and he did a lot of promotion for this oh, one. God, he yeah. did a video that was supposed to be different, but it got rained on in New York, so he right. actually just sat on a bench yeah. and sang the fun. song, and people came by, and he yeah. went, la di da, so yeah. people were singing with him, random people and, in the streets. Well, well, the funny thing about that is, it was supposed to be at Chase Stadium, yeah. and it got rained out. So they went to Times Square. I didn't realize this. I'm, when I was doing the research, I had the booklet in front of me, and it's raining. Ringo's there with an umbrella with umbrella. Barbara. But then there's a line that goes, um, when it rains, I can't complain. I'm like a train. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's raining in this video, on, almost on cue. That's funny. And I love the video also. They show Paul in the video. Paul's in the video singing background. Uh, Mark Hudson and Hanson make appearances. There's a... Performance footage with the the roundheads, basically Joe Walsh. It's is a great there. video, which it, it obviously is. didn't do well. Promo forty five for this too. Yeah, well, the edit on this wasn't really an edit; it was a restructuring of the song. Yeah, but this which is one of the a lot better. There was a limited edition promo single. I think you had to write to Mercury, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but oh, really? I think I'm right. And you got sent a promo forty five. Wow. For this yeah. record. Yeah, they, they had a oh, 45. Yeah. 45, yeah. yeah. What a great song. I, I love it. It's, this song makes my day when I hear this. Totally. I do, too. I but smile every time I But it I, does I flash back, like I was saying here, in my notes, I was, I was saying this could have flashed back in a way, it would have been the most cheerful thing on Bukus of Blues, <laughs> uh, or could have been on, on A Good Night Vienna. It's just a really classic Ringo, as you say. The funny thing about this song, though, in perspective with the rest of this album, it's the first song on this album that has a really strict focus on acoustic guitars. Yes. It's been a completely electrified True. album yeah. up until this point. Yeah. You've got some, like, Jeff Linney kind of vocal effects going on here and there. But a lot I was of writing, Hudson influence. A lot of, yeah. a lot of Mark Hudson. And I was saying, that. why does something like this not fall into novelty, question mark? Because it's just so damn genuine. And catchy, I, you know, I think it does too. fall a little and bit into novelty. No, I don't think. I don't I, think it's. I, I think it's I really think it, like. I say that affectionately, in a positive though. Way. Yes, yeah, I don't. I, do I don't say mean. that. Yeah. As a oh well, it's yeah. just Ringo being Ringo. No, I That's agree. That's not what I'm saying at all. This was the leadoff single. Yeah. And and I think it should have done better. Oh god. I I, yeah. I just think I don't know why it didn't. I would imagine you could play this at any right stadium. Yeah, it wasn't the right time. Can you imagine playing this at any ballpark? And yeah. in the middle of innings while people were drunk, and I don't right. mean that, but, but I don't mean it this like is, that. No offense to Ringo. This is a song, in, in, especially this is a sing -along in, in Europe, song. in Great Britain, where they have sing-alongs because everyone's hammered yep. at, at the football I games. easily this see this easily song. could have been I, I, one of those songs. I really also I appreciate the fact that Paul's vocal is really obvious and it's in there, yeah. but it's not featured. Oh, it's no, understated. No. It's understated, no, but it, and it's you, really... It's, you notice it a lot. You do, but in it's... the beginning it, of the chorus part at the end. Yeah. They faded him down in the middle. Yeah. But in the beginning, you heard him. And also, I, I love the whole chorus. And we, you just talk about the chorus from the yeah. from Drift Away. This is the chorus song. Yes. And uh, they, they call themselves not the village people. That's funny. <laughs> That's, Who's Hank? Hank? This one's for you, Hank? Oh, I don't know. I didn't... I never knew... Who's I Hank? He says, know. this one's for you, Hank. 
Hank but Williams? Mr. Hanky? No, no he's... <laughs> There's a lot of people that are not... Uh, that's what I mean. Hank, Hank Marvin? Hank Marvin, Hank Williams, I don't know. Anyway, but all right, next. So the, there's a lot of people. Family members came in for the chorus. Love this Timothy song. Timothy B. Schmidt's on it. Doug Figer's from the Knack. Tim B. About the knack. Mm. Without understanding, this is where they said, you know what? Let's really go a little different. And <sighs> But at the same time, it's within a pop format. That's why this works so well for me as a song. This is the only song on the album besides the two covers that was not uh, Ringo, Mark Hudson, Dean Gracker, and Steve Dudas. This is only uh, Ringo, Mark Hudson, and Steve Dudas. So those who keep in track of the songwriting credits, because mostly it's a four-person credit, which is a fair thing to do if you're going to be writers in a group and instead of just saying one person wrote it or, or the other. Or I should say I'm yours is also, well, I'm yours is a second thing, but we'll get that in a second. I love without understanding. I love the opera part in it. I love... Everything about this song. This is such a good song. I was so. This is a song that, if radio was playing what it was doing in 1980, in 1997, the way they would play songs, this would have been one of the songs you heard on album-oriented rock. This was a rediscovery for me. This was like the I kind of hadn't really quite remembered this song on this record. I don't know why this wasn't one that I would like go back to. Which, uh, but. The musicianship on this song and on the album as a whole is what stops this being Ringo biting off more than he can chew. That's a good point. The musicianship is so damn strong. You know, and and then I don't know what made me write this in my notes, but it sometimes sounds like Ringo singing a late era George song, which is interesting. And I actually, the first two things I have here... Are George Harrison inspired? Wow, that's funny. We both. It, it, we it's both a very meditative up. beginning, and yes, then it yes. kicks in. I, I wrote that the mean spirited instrumentation matches the lyrics. Yes, because this is. A, oh yeah. Then there's that yeah. Beach Boy riff though, with no good vibration. That was great. The, yeah. And then at the end, he even adds in the oop bop bop at the end. Yeah, I, I, which I, I is love the unexpected. middle eight. The middle eight's brilliant, really and then good. The, and then the whole gospel operatic voice thing at the end. It's a really cool effect, you know, very ELO. Well, ooh. no, I don't think it's ELO-ish at all. No, no, not at all. There is. I have to disagree with you, Rob. Sorry, you disagree with me before. I'm disagreeing with you now. It's okay, uh, we have to do one in each show. Um, <laughs> there's an album that Jeff Lynne put out called Armchair Theater. Yeah, great record. A great, great record. Go listen if you haven't. And there's a song on it called Now You're Gone. And it's very... Uh, and that's that on that song. That reminds me of Without Understanding for some Interesting. reason. Okay. And it's okay. just a really... Okay. It, go listen to that song and then listen to this. That's, that is a great album. Very... Yeah. It's very... It, it's definitely GH inspired, you know, George Harris. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have in my notes. I, I, this, I, this is a great song. What a song. Jesus. And, and the opera voice is uh, Christian Philippe. Quillacy, uh, or Quillacy, I can't. Yeah, he's a nice person singing songs, singing uh, music. Yeah. Very rock orchestra. <laughs> you mean uh, not rock orchestra? Yeah, rock orchestra. No, rock aria. Rock aria. Right, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thinking rock Two of us, rock both aria. of us idiots. Yeah, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, that's yeah. Rock aria. All right. And Brian Wilson's on this record, too. That's and that's why the good vibration <laughs> thing yeah. is very... Uh, Though you don't really hear him that well. No. You, 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 you wish you, he was higher in the mix in, in the certain Well, it depends areas. on how high he was. <laughs> depends on what Landy was feeding him that day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he was gone by, by Landy by yeah, that no, time. I know. Okay. But I, I do like the song. The next song is, you know what this song is? This is one of those songs where it could have been filler, 
but it, it didn't turn into filler. And the song is I'll Be Fine I Anywhere. I think it's filler. I don't think it's filler it's the way. It's not a bad not, filler. It's it should have been the closer. Oh, yeah. It should have been, but where do, you put on, where do you put I'm Yours then? Before, yeah, it's a true. love song. It could be before, yeah, but and then I'll be a, fine anywhere. I mean, this could have been the the album ending. Bye bye. Yeah, I'll be yeah, fine anywhere. Uh, I, I, I see both sides of that. That's me interesting. too. Because I also have a yeah, nice yours, closer for a beautiful yours. closer. Yeah, yeah. So it again, we're it's not a, it's not a favorite not a of mine from the record. But per se. it's funny. George Harrison is on it. He has a solo on it. It's interesting. We love so much King of Broken Hearts, and this is more just kind of regular George Harrison. Oh, this is a little yeah. country flavor. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's more it's, country. It's a much more country song. Rockabilly. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a Carl Perkins song. If anybody's it's got a great Carl Perkins song. Yes, definitely. And if anybody's familiar with it, there's a Jack Scott song called Baby Bye Bye, and there's a little bit of Baby Bye Bye in here. And if anybody knows that song from the 50s, I don't know if anybody had been listening to that when they recorded this. If you listen to the mix on this track in particular, and with headphones on on this album, it suddenly goes, it's like binaural. It almost goes 60s binaural with the treble on oh. one side and the bass on the other. Oh. And I don't think, I don't know if it's intentional, but the mix is really, it's disconcerting almost, but it works somehow. Like I, you I, then you go, okay. You know, I actually wrote that it reminds me a lot of Honey Don't. Um, in a way, it does a, actually it allude has, to Saturday Night. You know. I wrote down could be from a very mid '60s U.S. Beatles record. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, well, that's where the Carl Perkins thing comes. But I love the that line: is, "Every day is Saturday night. I don't know, and well, I don't really care. Yep. I'll be fine yep. anywhere." That is just everything about. But that's this why song. I the way you just said it. That's why it would have been a nice closer, right? You know. Right, I can understand that. And this video too. Hey. Um, the next one, I did think of this as an AA song. Uh, this yes. puppet, because yeah. Yeah. it's about putting part of the AA and that mentality is you you take things in your life and you put it out of it or yep. you put it to the you side. Put it to bed. Yeah, yeah, put it to bed, so to speak. And that's what he did. And yeah. that's what uh, this song's about. I like this song a lot. Not a favorite, but it's all right. It, you know what? It fits in, though, with the style of what this record's about. And yet, I wrote... And I like that. Fits in great with this album, yet could have easily been on an earlier Ringo record. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's a, Weird. You're right. This is one of those songs where, where do you put it? And that's why it's at the end. Again, Steve Cropper's on it again. And Timothy B. Schmidt. And Timothy B. And Schmidt. And Dave Gibbs. The B3, played by Jim Cox, the Hammond, is wonderful on this. It's a very dense production but it's a smart, dense production. It's Again, not overbearing. It's, it's not overbearing. you got to love the the lyric, the chorus, the sax playing on yeah, it. It's a, it's, a very, it's a very appropriate song yep. for this album. Yeah, yeah I just um, don't, I don't, I don't love it. It's not my favorite, maybe because it's so far at the end. And I know that sounds weird. But no, it, it makes no sense. I understand. Yeah, if it had been earlier, maybe if it was it earlier, I might have been like, "Oh, yep. But to me, it's it's a good song. But maybe yeah. that's a sequencing comment, though. Maybe you make that this song a little earlier, and you appreciate it more, and then the record builds more. Maybe maybe if the... this song was up in the, in the sequence and and drift away or love me in do, between, it, yeah, yeah, it may work there better. There you go. Okay, cool. Maybe. Okay, the last song on the album is Ringo with a very cool string arrangement from George Martin, written by Ringo, Mark Hudson, and oh, Mark Evan is his name. Ringo name-calling Barbara for the first time ever in a song. I thought it was very touching. Uh, one of the reasons why I think this should always be the last song, just it reminds me of a good night in many ways. Where else are you going to put yeah. good night except at the end of the album? This, that's why I'm Yours, I think, but fits perfectly. This is what, what drives me crazy about something like this. Talk about things getting lost. Yeah. Take out the word Barbara. Right. 
put in the word darling. Right. Why hasn't this song been covered by hundreds of people? Right. Because it's Ringo. But well, this I don't is, mean it meanly. This no, is a I, I, no, I know gorgeous. What he, I know what, I know what people, you're saying. But if people are going to cover a, a seriously, if people are going to cover a love song, and, and forget about a Beatle, if people are going to cover a love song, people are automatically going to go. Well, you know whose love songs are really good? Oh, McCartney. Even you're not going to say. But you know what? Though? Let's dig into Bringo's catalog. But, you're not. But you know what? Though publishers are publishers are publishers. You, you take a great song and you market it, and it doesn't matter who you, did it you know, originally. But you know, no one was marketing it. No, that, but that's, that's what I'm that's saying. That's part of the problem. The marketing on this for that type of thing. You know, if you were to say to Garth Brooks, here, here's a song. Garth Brooks might go, wow, this, hell. This, Garth Brooks would love right. the song. Garth Brooks would be all over something like this. But, it, but if you think about it, you know, who knew when I Will Always Love You came out that it was a Dolly Parton song? No one, but right. grow old with me. But that's John Lennon, and right. he was just killed right? At, when they right. started marketing that. But no one is going to say, Ringo's catalog, do we have a good love song? But this, Even though just, I believe that Postcards from Paradise, Not Looking Back, is his best. Yeah, but, but this that too. should be covered. Yeah, this, yeah. The but songwriting, the execution, I agree. the well, I, I, I Again, his, his vocal is hard. I wrote... It's heartfelt. I wrote heartfelt. Yeah. I did. I wrote yeah, no, heartfelt yeah. vocals. And this the melody... Also, don't forget, you said he named... Barbara and because you know what in 89 right. they had just come out of you know, together they went through that yes so right. you know what I mean yeah. it, there's an affection there for obviously they've been together over you know 35 years now as of this taping 36 years I mean they're in love and yeah. you know what it's okay later he name checked her again yeah. in other songs you know uh, what was it called uh, something garden Closer on, um, yeah, what, again, yeah. Um, which one? Ringo Rama, I Maybe. think. Yeah. yeah, so I think I like this. It is a good closer. And it's, it's interesting, too, it's because- a beautiful song. Because- Very well orchestrated. Other than Lovely Linda, Paul never oh. really name-checked Linda. George never, no. George never name-checked either Olivia no, or Patty. No, my dark sweet lady. True. But, right. like, but Maybe John- he- Name checked Yoko. Maybe you know times. what with George, I didn't even think about and this. Maybe maybe George with Dark Sweet Lady. That's about as close as you're gonna get. To right, yeah. right. But yeah. what I'm saying is maybe he didn't do that. Well, first of all, maybe it wasn't about her. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Based on living in the material, nice. it could have been anyone. No, but I mean, no, but you know what? Maybe he didn't do it. Maybe he thought about it. No one would even try to cover it if it was if it said Olivia. Yeah, but to me, it's like a, it's a really so heartfelt love song that no one and the melody in this song is another one of those. It's a yesterday. The melody sounds like this pre-existed. Maybe. You listen to the melody and you go, "This got to be another song that had this melody in it." Beautifully and I scored, found though. one, but it's beautifully, beautifully scored. scored. George Martin. You know, every time he, they thought he was going to retire, uh, this was '98 though, so I'm not sure if this was before or after "Grow Old with Me." But you know he, he was going to retire several times, and well, then it was he, before love. It was before it was before love. It was before what was the album in my life? You know he just kept coming back, and this is a great great arrangement of George Martin. And most people don't even know he's on it. That's, that's also an issue. Yeah, it, because yeah. I mean, to my knowledge, is it the first time he's worked with Ringo since the Beatles? Other than didn't he work on Sentimental Journey? Yeah, well, that would yeah, he was on that. But that's but other than that, right. I mean, I don't that's think a good he, point. But that's in a, a way, point. you know, you have to wonder whether or not. Look, it's one thing to hype a record and then not deliver, right? No, you know, was, it, it's one thing to hype the hell out of a record and then to deliver crap, right? And piss off your audience. Well, yeah. And I can see where there's a pride factor. I could see where there's a we don't want to play that card. 
But, you know, could you see Mercury doing uh, doing a TV, follow my line of thought. I know where Mercury you're going. Mercury does a TV ad for this record in 1980, when, when did it come 98. out? 1998. The ad itself looks like old-fashioned film. Like, it even, like, skips, like, a little bit. Okay. And, the, and they do a film ad, and they're like, Ringo Starr, with a little help from his friends, George Harrison, Paul McCartney, George Martin, and a whole uh, vertical man, and then do, like, a little cartoon. And you know what? People would go... Oh, really? There's like a Ringo record with all these guys on it? Now you go out, you buy the record, and the record kicks your ass. And you don't take it home and go, oh, Jesus, I fell for that. You know, you go home and you go, wow, this record totally rocks. You know, and wow, that's really George Harrison playing guitar. That was really the only thing missing from this record, that type of mentality where Ringo bypasses. He went on radio stations and they'd play track there and then they... As soon as he left, they they put the record in the intern yes. pile. Yes, yeah. If you want this of record, course. that's the only thing that was missing from this record, and that would have been very appropriate. But it's not something they maybe would have done or before really. But because this, Ringo would but, never have he would have poo pooed that. But yeah, Ringo yeah, would have been appropriate. That's silly. But Ringo is the type of guy who can be promoted on television to sell a record. Some people can't. Ringo would be you know with all the special guests, and this record holds up. To the the entire record, yeah. even the weak parts, which we've kind yes. of mentioned, we yeah. like. We even like yeah. the weak parts. So um, I have a question for both sure. of you. Has Ringo and I have a point here, <laughs> top of my head, is Ringo on this album particularly a victim of his, of his own personality? He, hear me out. You put out La Di Da because we said it's the perfect Ringo song. It is, but the album is not la-di-da. And he puts that out as the first single, and people go, oh, Ringo's here, and it's la-di-da. If Ringo would have put out uh, Minefield without understanding as the first single to show people, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm not going to be the Ringo you expect, the la-di-da. If he puts out a, a kick-ass song... If he even, went against type. on If he went against, against type, type, does this maybe... Do a little better because when people hit the first single and the and the promo are Ringo with la di da. If he puts out something that kicks your ass with George Harrison on it or Paul McCartney or anybody or Joe Walsh, if he goes against his own type, does it do better? Did he do himself a disservice by being Ringo, typical Ringo? I, yeah, I, yes, you're saying no. no he's saying, saying yeah. I want to no. say yes. I, you, I, I think what happened right. was is that. The promo because this is so strong because he appeared on so many shows and he did talk about the record, but they didn't want to talk about the record. They wanted to talk about the Beatles because anthology. Of course, I think that part of it worked against him. And I think if, if like you said, if it was called the Roundheads instead of Ringo Starr, especially on the heavier stuff. Let's say you get without understanding or um, minefield or Vertical Man, released to radio stations. Oh, well, this is a really heavy song. Oh, Ringo Starr's on the drums, and he does the lead vocals. Really? Mm. That's where where I think it could have worked in a different way. At the same time, Lottie Da is such a great... But let's look at, like, the Billboard year-end Hot 100 singles of 1998. Thank you, Casey Casey. I got to be honest with you. I don't even know the first 20. What are they? Too Close by Next, The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. I know that. You're Still the One, Shania Twain. That one I know. Oh, come on. Truly Madly, Deeply, Savage Garden. 
How do I live? Leanne, I like Savage Garden. True. Come on. Together Again by Janet. All My Life by Casey and Jojo. Candle in the Wind, 1997. Nice and Slow. Usher. I Don't Want to Wait. Paula Cole. How's it going to be by well, Third Eye Blind? No, no. Where does Ringo fit in? Well, that, that's part of it also. To I that. think. Where? Uh, it, it fits in nowhere. It's the same way Paul McCartney can barely get on the charts. And it's just, it's just the way, you know, you're never, you're never going to find the who back on the charts. Or the, the, only, the only random the top thing 100. is number 23 because it was backed by a film. Number 23 is I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. That's the closest you're going to come to anything remotely resembling anything uh, and on that's, this And that's the song that they were worried that was going to get confusing with Drift Away. Right. No, but I'm just saying that and that, and that had a film to support it. Right. And that was Armageddon. So who's who's going to... Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba in sync. <laughs> I love it. I get no yeah, No, but I mean, they're great. They're good songs. Right, and maybe One Week by Bare Naked Ladies, maybe you could say is a pop rock song. Other than that... Ringo, and, and this goes to all the, the those artists from that generation. They're at a certain age, top 40 radio. You can give them piles of cocaine and money and hookers and, and, and whatever. Wow. And they're not playing it. Uh, he but means AC, the DJs, not about, Ringo. I, I, I but, didn't know but where AC he was Radio, which is very you know, popular, WPLJ here in New York, or WLTW. Any W was gone back then, basically. Well, it was a classic rock station. They might have played it for a minute. There's no station that plays new rock anymore. Right. And that's just the way the life we live is happening right now. Right. That doesn't mean you can't put in other things. Commercials, movies, TV shows, something along those lines where you purposely get it out there in something that's going to be obvious. It's CSI wasn't on the air yet, so no, you couldn't get like, you know. You know well, what? yeah, Sorry. the CSI was not starting with la, la, di, da. <laughs> we can't find the killer. La, la, di, da. We've just found a corpse. I was walking. <laughs> I was, I was, he was not walking. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> Mr. Townsend, walking. Mr. Townsend does have to write another song for the rest of his life. <laughs> exactly, so, and he hasn't. Yeah, that's maybe that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, so really... anyway, uh, <laughs> let's, let's get Tony going about the who would stuff. It's too late. Please. Anyway, uh, it finishes off with I'm Yours, a great way to end this record. There were uh, several bonus tracks, a couple for a Japanese uh, bonus thing, one called Mr. Double Up, which was a rockabilly type of thing, uh, much more rockabilly than I'll Be Fine yes. Anywhere, much more rockabilly than that. Yes. Yeah. Every Day is an okay song. Yeah, it's just, mm, uh, whatever. Then uh, there was um, one, if you got it from uh, Best Buy, I think, you got Mr. Double Up, something called Sometimes... And it's something called Good News. I've never really heard those two. So. I have. I, I, I played them. They're okay. Mr. Double It Up is It's is, nice is that okay. Mr. Double Up would have been, Double It Up would have been good instead of Love Me Do or Drift Away. Yes. I Probably if you want to put that there, that would, it would be a better it place for it. It would have fit in. It would have fit in, definitely. But the, uh, the other, I mean, it's nice that he recorded enough where you can get some extra tracks. You know, what was the album, 2012? Right. It was like nine songs long, yeah, that, and he didn't want to do that album. Well, it you could tell. That it's yeah, it seemed that way. But, you know, there's nothing that is extra from that. So right. I'm glad at this point he was still doing enough where we could get some bonus. Right, and, and, and Ringo's catalog hasn't been touched since 1994, so if he ever goes back, I assume those bonus tracks will be included. Oh, don't Job. assume anything. Well, anymore. we should because, but we hope we can hope. But the thing about I, I don't think it's. Gonna, I'm just going to be very, very frank and say I don't think that's going to happen because 
Ringo's not someone who's pooling his money to go chase after his back catalog. Well, he owns his back catalog. He owns a, a lot of it, not all of it. Well, there's does? a rumor going oh, around. Anything that's acapella, I believe that's his company. I've always oh, thought that right. acapella. I didn't know uh, no, that. No, acapella. I always I didn't was, know that. was it Rockefeller? Rock I think Capella? it's Rockefeller. I don't think it's Acapella. Acapella oh, okay. Well, he he owns some of his stuff. I, you know? I okay. do believe, though. I heard a rumor that there was they were going to go back and and put out like a box set of. He his he, stuff. he said that to All Chris right. Carter last year because Chris said, "Well, Paul's doing his. What about you?" And he goes, "Well, Chris, and you know." Blah blah blah. The uh, one thing I was bad about one thing one thing I was bad about this record was I love the cover of the booklet that comes as part of the at least the thing that opens up this CD. But the problem is there was never a vinyl version, so the small pictures everything is we yeah everything is like what you have to go like yeah. this and put your eyes back. Yeah. And there's a picture of John Lennon on here, too. I just I didn't uh, even notice that. Yeah, right anymore. here. The, I didn't realize that either. Picture of him uh, from '64, I, I think it was. Uh, okay, see, I, see? Uh, that. No, 66, 66 from the, uh, 66, not, uh, not, not, only, but, but, not only, but also. Always, yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, all right. So, but the rest of the album is, was great. Like I said, he promoted everywhere. He was on The View. He was on David Letterman. He uses the Abbey Road image. Yeah, the Abbey Road image. Because I was walking and also Vertical Man. Right. Sure. So he uses sure. it. So he's trying to be Beatley. But then again, he could have done what Paul did with Paul is Live and go back and recreate it and just have Paul on the Well, on, I, we forgot to away. mention, though, that one of the songs on here was every day and it was originally called my love and he he said i can't use that title poll that's already. funny the so. mac has already done that exactly so yeah. are we gonna rate it uh well he was one more thing he was also on the howard stern show well it was the first time he was ever on one of the best interviews i've ever heard with ringo yes because howard yeah. obviously loves the beatles yeah and he had a lot of respect the second time ringo was on Ringo wasn't as happy. You could tell he was he was angry at, at a lot of things because they brought in um, a super Beatle nerd, and he was asking all these questions. And Ringo's like, you know, what? You know, I don't know this. All you know, you yeah. know this. I don't know this. Yeah. But the first time was a very good interview with Howard and um, and Ringo. So how are we rating this, boys? Uh, you go first. No, you go first. Point in. Anthony. Uh, you uh, point no, Anthony. I'm, I'm the moderator. You go yeah, first. Yeah. Ha ha. Check. I, I give it a two. No, I mean, <laughs> pointing at me first. No, um. I don't know. It's that's a tough one. You know, it's one of those things where, like, do you rate it as a you rate it as a Ringo album or do you rate it as an album? No, you rate it as an album. Forget Um, the Ringo album. You can't say, "Oh, I'm going to rate it as a Ringo album," and it gets a ten because the other suck. It's between an album. It's between an eight and a half and a nine. I'd give it a really, really strong eight and a half, and it's it's verging on a nine. I have one to verge with, sir. But no, but I. Boy, it's definitely an eight and a half. Yeah. You know, if I could uh, say eight and three quarters, I'll say eight and three quarters, but okay. it's, it's an eight and a half. Okay. So, Talk about shoe size or the album. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this a strong eight. Okay. A strong okay. eight. I, I like it a lot, and I, I probably will play it a lot more since we've analyzed it. I definitely think the two covers are the only reason it's not a higher for me. Okay. I just don't think they work for me at all. Um, I feel very strongly about that. Yeah, I know. Uh, we've... So, no, but I'm no, sorry. No, you're as, as See, I'll have to say eight and three quarters now just to make up for his eight. <laughs> I don't care. La-di-da. <laughs> and that's not going to be my go-to. La-di-da. Up yours. Oh, I'm yours. Sorry. <laughs> nice. Can you imagine it started out as up yours? Up <laughs> your Barbara. Up yours. <laughs> he was angry. Oh, he was angry and then went, wait. He changed. He was like, oh, wait. I've got to change. Well, that's not going to fly. All right. <laughs> that doesn't fit with the AA message. <laughs> so uh, I'm giving it a very, very, very strong eight. I give it a nine to a nine and a half. It's, um, 
Maybe except for the Ringo album. I, it, it's my favorite Ringo album. That's yeah, why. It's like I'm, it's, I'm sitting here hedging my yeah, bets. I like but Time Takes Time equally to this. Yeah, it's an 8.75. It's almost a 9. <laughs> oh my God. You go in 9 or 9.5? I'll say 9.5 because you're at 8.5. 3.14. 875 Pi. I'm hungry. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> but, so, so Tony wins, and when you average everything all in, it becomes pie. an 8.75. <laughs> Does it really? Yes. It's just about you know, I If said he says 9.5. He didn't say you said, I did. I did. You just said, oh, he just said nine and a half. Ringo's not listening. You said an eight. I said eight point seven five. So, so when you average, point. it's an eight point seven five. I just so, did so the you math. win. I win. No, it's you like know, as it's Ringo like, said, everyone wins. It's like when we did uh, was it Ringo the fourth? We gave it a yeah, ten we did out three, of the four, three of us, four. Well, three of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> we gave a it three, a ten three and a four between the four. And Tony gave it. Tony gave it the four. We gave it threes after he hated it the most. You hated it the most. <laughs> Which no, is why it's like I'm saying it is true. I really, really, really like this record. I mean, this it has is all records in the. I mean, I, I if give you're very. It, if you're if you're rating give, it as a Ringo album against other Ringo albums, now it's, what? It's a ten. It's a ten to me too. Yeah, it's yeah, a ten. Yeah, but I mean, you know, right. I, it's I mean, not I, a ten in general. Right. I mean, I give Goodbye Yellow Brick Road gets a ten. You know, Revolver gets a ten. You know, right. I don't give records. I don't tens. give tens easily. But hell, this it, is this, an eight point seven five. It depends it's a, on my mood. Like I'll, there, there are times when I, I I even like this more than the Ringo album. Just there are when times when I probably will end up. You enjoying know why? This more than the Beca- Ringo album. Again, the Ringo album is the standard because it had three big hits. Right. And was catchy the whole way through. It is catchy. Album. Yes. So is this. Yes. If this was done in 1973, this would be the standard for Ringo. I You're agree right. with that. That's You're a right. good point. And Ringo still has a couple of, quote, weak tracks on it, in a way. Yeah, it does. You know, I mean, I'm the Greatest is never See, one, I just one of my huge one. favorites. But, but again, if he would have done this Beatle album in 1973 with John on it, too... Well, this would have been, been he would have been on it yeah mm-hmm. this would have been the standard you're right yeah no, you're I agree. right by which we judge it's, Ringo um, it's that good and part of the problem is with older musicians they make great music and it's not heard and it just doesn't get heard it's Unfort- not just Paul and Ringo no you know, Elton John has made some really good strong and ideas. bad yes. ones and, and bad well ones. yeah but but he's had some really strong yep. ones too where no matter what you do it's only the hardcores are going to get listened. And then if you play too much in concert, and Paul and Ringo do understand this, so the people who were there to see the Beatles songs, mm. they're like, why aren't you playing the Beatles? Well, I'm promoting my new record. I don't care. I think, and we've never done this, we should start a write-in campaign. Reach out to Ringo. You, you all know how to get to Ringo. Reach out to Ringo. Tell ask him, for his autograph. Tell him, no, don't <laughs> ask for anything. Just say reissue Vertical Man first. Do right, that right. one. Yeah. We have to wait and two years now. Why? For the anniversary. Well, you don't it's have to. It's not 2017. I'm, I'm sorry. Just I'm sorry. Do it. it was recorded in 2000. Let him just do it. Right. You know, so just, all right, Richie, You're let's right. do it. All Come of a sudden, on, let's you have became that. happy days guy. So, Richie. anyway. Anyway. So, right. that just about does it for our uh, review of Vertical Man from Ringo Starr, released in 1998. We all love it. Hopefully, uh, you have it. And if you don't, maybe you should go buy it. Yeah. Where can you get it, Tom? Well, that's Amazon. part of it. You know, Amazon or you can now still. It's on yeah, Spotify. I mean, you know. It's on Spotify. If you're it is on Spotify. Yeah, that's very true. So thank you for joining us. My name is Rob Leonard. Joining me, of course, is Tony Trugardo. Good night, folks. And Mitch Axelrod. I'm in a mind for you. And please uh, comment to us on Facebook. Cause, uh, nice like, comments. We were very positive. Ha ha. We like to uh, get comments. <laughs> we prefer nice comments. But if you're truthful and honest. Constructive. And constructive. We, we always uh, we like to read them. those, too.
We delete them. Thank you, and we'll see you next time here on the Fab Four Free-For-All. Bye-bye. This one's for you, Hank. Fab Four Free-For-All was edited and produced by Tony Triguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free-For-All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free-For-All. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. <laughs> I was going to say the horizontally challenged. That's me. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Wow. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> George Takei showed up. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. Bro, what the fuck There's a that? bug. There's a bug in here. That, that's yeah. a red bug. It's red. It's a big red bug. Oh Can you God. kill it with your shoe or something? No, no, Where is it? Kill it. No reason You're not kill killing it? Oh my God! Look at him. I'll get stung seventeen times, but I'm not gonna. Oh my God! What are you doing? Where'd it go? Oh, there it is. Kill it! Kill it! No, he's doing the Yoko. No, he's not. He's putting it in a bag. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the horizontal Fab Four free for all. (laughs) Oh baby! Well, because we're doing vertical. Oh baby! Shouldn't we be the vertical? Because no, I was doing the opposite. You know. we're always the opposite of what we say. But, you know, the reason it's called vertical, man, is because he's he's upwards and not laying down That's in sure. the ground. Okay, I'll start over. <laughs> we're not dead yet. We're dead. I'm not dead yet. I'm dead. Uh, can you help out? <laughs> Ring out, you're dead. I'm dead. I'm dead now. Uh, okay. <clears throat>